Good evening, everyone. I'm Cram. I'm the Bard. Skazius. So, welcome to the Round Nerds episode 45. Uh, slightly different this episode. We've done a bit of a, well, Luke last episode said it's a bit of a challenge. Would like to explain to what you did to us, Luke? Uh, so, basically, the idea was I wanted the guys to come up, because, you know, you guys are pretty heavy PC gamers. Yeah. I wanted you to come up with uh, defining titles for. The PC platform, uh, for, what do we say, between the 90s and... Late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, which you guys said was kind of the... That was the defining period the for PC way. gaming. Uh, and then it would kind I of just drop sort off. Of said before podcast, I think that was a good defining period for gaming in general. Like, the late 90s, because it was such an experimental period, where we'd only just really forayed into 3D mm. properly. Um, yeah, people were playing about with new things. It meant that a lot of interesting games came out, whereas I find that things have stagnated a bit more recently because we know what we can do now, so people don't test the waters so much anymore. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a good period. There were a lot of good games. I was heavily into my PlayStation and my PC around that period of time. I did play 64 as well, but didn't like it as much mm. as those two. But, yeah, yeah, it was a good time for gaming all around, really. So the idea really is, then, for... You two to try and convince me why this was such a good period because PC's kind of thin for me. Okay. I had to be honest. I don't get okay. me wrong. I like my PC game and I had some really good times playing on PC, but PC I could take it or leave it. Yeah. Okay. So That's fair enough. So to the end, we both picked uh, three games from the nineties and yeah. three games from the two thousands. Uh, so for our definition in the ni- late nineties, we've used ninety seven to ninety nine, and two thousands was two thousand to two thousand and four. Was yeah. our early two thousands, all our definition of what we consider that period of time. Uh, we both picked three. So what we'll do is go through. At a fairly brisk pace, otherwise we'll be here for about six Indeed. hours. Yep. Um, <laughs> so what my presentation, I will literally introduce the game. Explain a bit what it is, why we love it so much. Yeah, sure. And then we'll switch between us. So, um, would you like me to go first? Yeah, you go right, first. So, my means. first game on my list, and this is all we're doing in the 90s at the moment, yeah. um, <coughs> is Mech Warrior 3. I have a question. Go for it. Straight away. Not Mech Warrior 2. Interesting. Are, are you going to get into this? Yes. Or? Okay, go right, on. Mech Warrior, so, Mech Warrior is. You take on the world, you are a pioneer of what they call bound mech. Now, you've, if you've ever seen any anime stuff, you know what a mech is. Giant fucking robot. Yeah. These are quite those say, kind of mechs, are they? No, like, anime well, mechs being big-ass Gundams and shit. Yeah, they move really quickly. Really. And also, they're very agile, aren't they? They're very yeah. much... Basically, they're like a giant sort of suit of armour, really. Mm-hmm. And they're, they move out and they tend to do a lot more close combat and so forth. Whereas mech warrior mechs are more like a piece of machinery. Pieces for heavy duty military a mobile, machinery. A, a walking tank. Basically. Yes, basically. So that's what that's probably why I love. They were just like a walking tank. Mm. Now, my very first PC game, proper sort of PC game, was Mech Warrior Two. Ah, that was I the like first Mech game II. I picked up in. Um, I remember we were going with four well, a pair of press PC, and I picked up in. Um, it was in a little bargain bin. I thought well, this looks cool because had this big mech on the front. I thought that looks cool. I'm buying that game, so I picked it up. And took it home, and of course it's the only game I had. I played it loads and loads and loads, and I loved the training mode. And the guy in the mode was hilarious. I mean, he would. Um, I think his best line was, he said, "Excellent, you've just shown your ability to do what I say. I like that. <laughs> my dog does what I say. I like my dog. You two should meet. Remind me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's what I love. My nice. boy too. And I remember 
So I'll be age 13 when it came out. I remember going to Norwich. And at that age, I didn't really know much about games because I was an idiot. And I assumed that a game are, would really. automatically come out every... I assumed a new game, a new version of the game would come out every year. And I thought I'd just go on a shop and just be able to buy it. Without actually looking at release schedule or anything <laughs> like that. But with Big Boy 3, it was true. I literally walked into the shop and there's Big Boy 3. I wanted that game. We'd gone to Norwich. Like, those, in those times, Norwich was a big trip to us. Oh, yeah, the, for sure. So yeah. like, you only went go like, one, two or three times a year. Because obviously we buy horse and cart in those periods of yeah. time. That's the next city away, just yeah. for anyone that yeah. doesn't know. It's yeah. quite a It's a whole away. 26 miles away from us. Yeah, for a kid, that's a long way. That is, it was a good trip to Norwich. We love my trips to Norwich. Um, went in the shop and there it was. Bought it home. I remember excitedly because it was in a big box. I actually wish. Did you I get it from Game in Norwich? No, I got it from, um, from a bookshop of all places. There was a bookshop in Norwich. I don't know where it was. Um, but I remember you went upstairs and in the book department they said computer games. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. That's also I got um, one of my other games I'm going to talk about. Smith used to have a game, it's a bit, didn't it? Don't yeah, but it was like amongst it's like sort of like sort of dictionaries, documentaries, computer games. As you so, do. Yeah. Um, so I bought it. Um, um, and I, I remember excitement I had of it because I was like, so, so, "This is an email quality, an email quality. Um I remember in the car home getting a box. Because in those days you used to have like six manuals. You had like the proper game manual, then you had like a manual which is all like the tech specs of all the things in it. I remember ripping it, ripping it open. Opening up and looking through and looking at all the cool mechs. It looked, and to my eyes at 13, it looked amazing. I remember having compared... this exact same experience when I bought the code in, in yeah. Norwich, the first one, and just reading the instruction manual on the yeah. way back home. And thinking, wow, yeah. look at all the cool stuff and in this game. The difference, I think the difference, graphical leap between MechWarrior 3 and MechWarrior 2 was, was massive. Yeah, because so MechWarrior 2 was basically just Very early blocks. 3D game. Yeah, there was it? no textures to it, really. It's all just coloured blocks. Whereas MechWarrior 3 had all textures and all the cockpits were textures. And it introduced a lot more cool things. Like, it was all popular. You could get out of your mech, couldn't you, as well? No, you couldn't get Yeah, you couldn't do were that. They, were, they, were they like uh, civilians of, and stuff? You're thinking of they had a class mech called the Elementals. I think they're called. Literally, they're basically there's a, in the in Macquarie universe. There's people who are literally bolted into their. I think they're like sort of like equivalent. Like in you know, Starcraft, they had the Marines like bolted into those suits of armor, or like yeah. a big daddy. They're like that. So just bolt. That's the mech. They just literally pull bolts with armor on their arms and legs. They're not like a machine. They literally are, but they are like it's one way process. They're like condemned. They're, I think they're called elementals. They're tiny little things, but obviously in your big mech, it's a nightmare machine because they're so small you can barely yeah. see them. So I think that's perhaps where you're thinking you can get out of that. I mean, you can actually, to its credit, had an instant action mode. And this is something that I think a lot of games miss actually, is that you go into it and you just pick a level, and all levels were unlocked straight away, and you pick which class of mech you wanted to be in. You picked all your opponent mechs, and you click a button, that was it. You're in the game, and it's lured them in. And you could play as any mech, so you could play as all elemental. Oh, right. Oh, I remember and we were shitty, like that. little shitty machine gun rockets <laughs> and gets just get squished by a mech. Um, I remember watching the opening intro and being amazed by how amazing it looked. It was such a cool intro and it's just so, so heavily handed and really sort of... You know how games are really cheesy at that time? It's all their intros. Yeah. And it was really cheesy, really cheesy intro. It had all the classics of like somebody be falling over and being squashed by a mech and so forth it's a, oh, it's a brilliant intro and I think well, one thing I will have to do is I'll put links to if I can to all the intros of various games I'll put yeah, links sure. to the show so people can see these and see how cool they were yeah. I just want to kind of throw out there as well like you're talking about a time period two things I need to bring out or bring up that the internet wasn't a really hardcore no. thing at the time we were probably still rocking 56k yeah, yeah. or I was on um, dial up then or ISDN or something if, we, if you know if you yeah. could go somewhere that you could kind of 
you know, jacks on the yeah. head. That um, so you didn't have instant access to all the no. release schedules and stuff. So going into a shop always was a surprise. Was, yeah, or going yeah. to the rental store. The best you'd you have had is reading the magazine, isn't yeah. it? Particularly if you went there every week. Please, if you only went there like once every six months, because then there would be loads of new stuff you've yeah. not seen before. Yeah. Um, and just the whole, I, I liked the game from start to finish. I mean, some things I missed in the previous MechWire game because MechWire had a game got a mode called Vision Enhancement, and basically it placed everything with wireframe. But what would be clever about it was that the wireframes would reflect the damage, so the mech would start off with all the mechs to be blue. They actually hit them and damage them, they gradually change colour to oh, match the thing. Cool. It was also a way to make the game easier to run. But it was quite cool because when you find lots of mechs, you could just instantly see where they're damaged and concentrate on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game itself, you're not sure about how the game plays, it's you're in a pilot of the mech and it's designed, it's really heavily based on simulating piloting a piece of machinery. Yeah. So whereas I think when I've played other mech games, they sort of forget all about that. You're just sort of cool. You're, it's all given. This game, you have to monitor your heat levels properly. And if you yeah, overheat, you'd you'd overheat you'd, Yeah, you'd, you'd stop first off. You could put in like a heat override. You can override heat. So basically, um, as you got hot and hot, it'd say heat level critical. And then it would say shutting down. If you hit over at that point, you'd override the shutdown. You wouldn't cool off. But at that point, you're literally very close to having your reactor explode. So it's really much a case of this mech's about to kill me, I'm about to kill it, I have to override the shutdown to sh- destroy it, and obviously weapons generate all the heat and so forth. Yeah. And if you get it wrong, you'll just blow your mech up. And the amount of times I blew my mech up, because I always used to override. Um, they just, but they, they introduced, into one thing they introduced into MechWorld 3 was coolant, and mm. you could flush coolant, and so basically you could hit a button and just flush your mech with coolant to get rid of the heat instantly. So you can only do it perhaps twice when you're firing, and it, how much coolant you use depending on how hot you were. Um, but generally speaking, you could do it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're playing the game, you basically had a twice a get-out-of-jail-free card if you were in trouble with your heat levels and you needed to survive, you just hit that button. But if you messed it up and mistimed it. And it, it fully support joysticks, so you could look out you and hat control, so you could look out the right side of your mech. And if you did that, your right arm would point to the right, so you could shoot someone standing next to you. Mm. And up and down, you had jump jets, so you could take off and jump and land. And you could land on top of people and smash them up by landing on top of people. And one of the mechanics you introduced was the repair mechanics. So you had this little mobile base that used to follow you around. And if you want to, you could walk back to it and tell them you were coming up to it. And they'd, they'd, put little, they'd position themselves in like a triangle shape. You'd stop in the middle, shut down. They'd all come up and move around and repair you. And you'd get back to get back into the fight. So you could sort of keep going. I can't say how some... I thought it was brilliant as a 30 year old, but I can't say some people probably thought it was a little bit cheating. But the mission... I only got... I remember... Wonderful memory of it. Uh, the missions were bloody for me were hard but again I was only 13 I, I played it recently actually a few years later I played it a few years later and I breeze through it mm-hmm. but there was mission I think number 5 I got to mission 5 and I could get so far through it but I couldn't beat it I was really struggling with it I played it for again and again and again then one day one afternoon I, it took me about an hour and a half but I finally got to the end of this mission I completed it I was so excited that I completed this mission I run my grandparents up to tell them <laughs> bless you. I said, I've been in this mission, mission. And then he sort of went, Oh, that's nice, dear. I had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, that's nice, dear. You've been in the mission. That's very cool. Yes, yeah, good. Robots. Yeah. It's like, awesome. Um, so I've got a question. I've got an, another thing then. So, Mech Warrior. They came out with the. Was it Mech Warrior Online? And at, this, at the same kind of time, there was. Uh, Mech Commander. Mechmarker Mech was the tactics one. Wasn't that came it? at the same time as Mech as Mech Warrior three, roughly. No, no, no. I'm talking like right into the future. I'm now talking. About oh, now right, recent sorry. times. Yeah, Mech Warrior Online. Mech Warrior Online. Um, first off, I know you don't like MMOs, but it's a Mech Warrior game. 
I know the trouble is it's got other people in it and I've I've actually I, yeah no so that Mag Warrior and then comparing that to Hawken if I've seen Hawken and Hawken to me seems too arcadey yeah it's uh, basically a mech arena shooter yeah and I looked at, I watched on playing Hawken when I found out that when you overheat you just slow down I think it is you don't actually shut down I can't remember though I think someone said you don't actually shut down you slow I think oh that's a little bit I mean, MechWarrior carried on because obviously had MechWarrior Four later came out, mm. and I got. I remember that was that came on my birthday. That was a brilliant thing. I remember going there. Of course, so again, nothing. I was so excited, but I never got into it. It's quite just like turning up at shops and finding a MechWarrior game. <laughs> and then they had, yeah, I remember. T- but then they released MechWarrior Four Mercenaries, which was a fantastic MechWarrior game because it was all about it. Literally, rather than having a really stupid storyline, mm. with a really whiny, bitchy, princey guy leading it. You were just a mercenary, and you could pick and choose which mission if you want, and it cost you so much money to jump systems. If you jump system, it cost so much you could go broke, mm-hmm. and you could do things like you learn honor. So that's for, for one bit where you and another screw mechs were fighting. If you backed that, if at one point they basically say, "Right, you know what, guys, you've won. We can see this battle to you. Please let us leave." And you have the choice of saying, fair enough, you can see the battle. You're not surrendering, you're just saying, okay, that's it, you won. We're mercenaries. They're mercenaries as well. They're saying, do you know what? We've had enough. And you can just let them go. And that probably back. And you can still go and shoot them. They'll say to you, hey, come on, guys, look, be nice. You can take them out if you want to. Mm-hmm. But you can, you can just back off and let them go. And that was just neat. And there's, I also had... Um, Did that ever sort of affect the later stages of the I game? I don't know because I got stuck on it because again I was only young. Ah. So like most of my games I played when I was young, I got stuck on them and never completed them. Um, I've never gone back to or really should go back to and finish it off. I've got Macquarie, I've got through, through, most of these through GOG. I have got it, I've just not actually sat down and properly configured my joystick all with it properly again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Macquarie was probably one of my most... Oh, as you can hear, I love it. It's a game that sort of. I was going to say, you've got, like, you've got a you know, big old cheesy grin coming on your face. Every they time were classic games. I mean, I remember them being massive at the time. Like, Meg Warrior was yeah. a big PC franchise. It was, it's it was, and in fact, it was one of those games that kind of sold PCs. Because yeah. I remember Meg Warrior 2 very first coming out being everywhere like it was the one game you'd always see in the PC yeah. section like before anything else it's amazing how MechWarrior actually before just disappeared it's amazing how it completely disappeared and I know we've got MechWarrior online but it's not really the same I want a proper MechWarrior game again yeah. mm-hmm. but I wanted to be you know not don't casualise it just make it really hard you know you have to properly simulate and control things just make it cool again yeah mm-hmm. so I'd like That's to see Nick try to play Steel Battalion. Uh, Steel Battalion. Oh right, what with the actual big controls? Yeah, the I wanted one of those. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Temp- I, I would. Yeah, I wanted one of them. I looked at them. I thought I almost. Bought, I would have almost considered my Xbox for one of them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I found out that Parry they were very unreliable. They yeah, they weren't very many of them either, were they? They were very limited in. Yeah, number. I would have. Happy. I've seen one a couple times, but I never had the cash to pony up to I get one. To I would have found a way. I'd have bought one. I would have loved there was that. a Mech game, a Mech Warrior style game that came out on Xbox as well. Wasn't the, yeah, it? there were a couple of them. Um, I remember getting um, one launched with the Xbox. Yeah, I, can't remember I, I think I got was is it Armored Core? Armored Core isn't a Mech Warrior game. That's just more Japanese Mech style. Yeah, game that's what I, mean. I remember getting it because I wanted a Mech game, and someone said, "Oh, you should get Armored Core," because I had a PS2 at the time. You should get Armored Core. That's very, that's like Mech Warrior. I played. I thought this is nothing like Mech Armored Warrior. Armored Core is brilliant though. Awesome series. Yeah, because I didn't like because I was expecting Mech Warrior. Yeah. 
And mm. so I got it wasn't like Mary There was, was a Mech Warrior Stock game in the Xbox. I, I, we'll have to look into that. Maybe a flashback thing. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. No, I know. I know the game you're talking about though, because I used to run it. Yeah. I remember what it was called. I mean, I used to like um, Mech Warrior, Armored Core, uh, Chrome Hounds. Yes, um, Crime Hounds, I fucking love that game. By the way, Jet, a listener of the podcast, did mention that there is another one on uh, Steam Greenlight right now that is pretty much Crime Hounds for PC. Oh, cool. So cool. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but we'll have to put that into a flashback. Yes, yeah, we'll find it. kind of neat. There's a demo. I reckon we should all play it because it yeah. looks pretty rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. cool. Um, if I can get my Mech Boy fixed, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't. Th- there's a couple of other Mech games I used to really enjoy playing as well back in the day, but or you know, giant robot games, but. Cool. Really good. Really, really good genre. Really cool. good style. Excellent. Right. I will agree that that was a that was a good pick. So good. One we've I've got one out of six so far. I'm not so sure on Mech Warrior three. Mech Warrior two for me. But, okay. Um, you know, still Mech Warrior three. It's the Mech Warrior series. Good choice. Uh, that is definitely that, a defining game. I think it's the one it. that I remember because I played it more more because it was the new one because I would play it more. And I think that's just it's it's and also Mech Warrior two would be outside our time limit. I think. I think Mech Warrior 3 came out in 9, that was 9, I think Mech Warrior 2 was 96, it was actually outside our time. Yeah, for so. sure. Mech Warrior 2 was an early game. Yeah. But still, agreed, defining game. Good. Cracking. Good. Bard! Right, well, my first pick is a game that kind of, in a way, defines a whole genre that got me interested in PC, because I did originally first play this game on the PlayStation, but... Again, it was one of them things where, oh, there's not very many of this type of game on the P- on the PlayStation... So I'll have to grab, well, I had a PC, so I was like, oh, I'll get more, more, more of these on the PC. And that game was Discworld, um, the first Discworld game. Yes, I've played that. Point um, and click. Point and click game, yeah. It was one of the first proper point and clicks I ever played, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and other people would say, oh, what, did you not play Monkey Island first? It was like, well, no, I didn't have a PC at the time. I wasn't a big fan of Monkey Island. I'm not. I think Monkey Island's overrated. Whenever I talk about Discworld and my fondness for it. Point and clicks for me. Discworld, Broken Sword. Broken Sword, Sword definitely. Um, fuck, I'm sort of brain fat. But yeah, those two definitely. Those two always that. stand out. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots of other random sort of ones, but those two are always the ones I think of. Simon the Sorcerer was good as well. They were. That was Might a big fan of Simon the Sorcerer. No, I quite like Simon the Sorcerer, just because it had Rimmer in it. Like Rimmer was one. You know, of, it was you know, giggly fun. What was not... Rimmer from, as in Chris Barry? Yeah, yeah, Chris Barry was, uh, was Simon the Sorcerer's voice actor. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Discworld was the one that always stood out, A, because I was a big fan of Pratchett, and B, just because it had a certain charm about it, mm. and it defines that certain area of time it's of Eric gaming Carl for me. Eric Carle was the voice actor. He was, yeah. he was the voice actor of Rincewind. Uh, yeah, the game pretty much concerned. It was Guards Guards retold with Rincewind. In place, it was of uh, Vimes. In place of Vimes. Vimes, it wasn't just Guardians. No, it was a, a amalgam of all the different yeah. thrown together. Mark, but look, yeah. I remember first playing that, and or first seeing it because I rented it. I remember renting it, and and I, oh, I had a trailer <laughs> for Broken Sword as well at the same time. And I remember being absolutely blown away that you had animation running like this on games. The last thing I could remember ever seeing that looked like that good was when I played Dragon's Lair in the arcades when I was a kid, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I never thought that you'd see this kind of awesome-looking style of game on a home system, let alone one that was fully interactive. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of a, a big thing for me at that time, a very sort of defining moment in my, uh, my gaming life. Um, but that particular game, just of all the point-and-clicks that I've played, is hands-down the best one. 
Good music. Yeah, very good music. Brilliant characters. Voice acting was pretty good, although I remember when I first got this, I was running it on a... Um, oh, did you have a non-voice version? Well, no, I had... Um, I picked it up from on the PC from uh, Curry's. Right. And got it home, put it into my machine. I was running a Pentium 1 with some really craptastic sound card. Um, the sound wouldn't work. Oh, uh, the, no. the The... Oh. the, the um, voices didn't work, so I, I got uh, subtitles. But my mate, um, my mate, bought it around on PlayStation, and it had voice actors. And I was like, oh, wow. "Holy shit!" My mind was blown. Yeah. That there, you know, this was a, a voice actor title, and um, you know, later on, I managed to get to work on another machine. I think, yeah, nice. I think you've picked something up. Actually, that's something that we forget about early gaming, PC gaming especially, is that. It was a rarity for your game to be installed straight and actually work straight away. Yes. yes. Most of the time, there'd be some drive. Oh, this game. I mean, I remember you remember the days when your games would come with a list of compatible graphics cards. Yes. yes. And some yeah. would only be compatible one brand. Yes. And it's like, oh my word, it's it was such a and now the voodoo was, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember. I mean, we take it for granted now that you put install a game. I'm joking. Speaking these days, PC games it's a rarity when they don't new ones that just don't work straight away. There's a mm. few exceptions. There's been a couple of famous ones, but. I mean, take your um, Arkham Knight. Now, yeah, can you imagine yeah. that if this was nineties, it'd be probably pretty standard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Not it work. Nvidia. And you point out by saying that oh, I didn't work my sound card. That was a, yeah. that was that. I was mean, a I can remember actually yeah. going through the menus to try and find a configuration that would yeah. actually work with my machine. And that, that is the world of PC gaming from the nineties. That you were spending most of your time fiddling with hardware trying to make it work. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Getting red boxes appear on screen saying, yeah, that doesn't work. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, Ironic for Discworld. That yeah, doesn't was. work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. The only other thing I remember, that, well, the other uh, main one that was that was, uh, how can you have a door this big without a bloody knob? <laughs> but, so, oh, there's so, so many quotable bits in that game. It really did help that Eric Idle. And Eric Idle is always going to be Rintwin to me. His voice defines Rintwin to me now from playing mm. that game so much. That was a um, scum game as well. Was Actually, okay, so... Scum was awesome, yeah. Scum is right. Discworld, point and click. It's on Scum. There was Discworld 2, also a Scum game. They then came up with the Discworld third one, Noir. Discworld Noir, which I never had on PC, I don't think. Yeah, it's um, not, that was done in the same sort of engine as Grim Fandango, wasn't yes. it? It wasn't a Scum game. Um, but because the first two were in Scum, I actually run those on a Raspberry Pi. Because right. they run perfectly on a Raspberry Pi, so I got to run uh, mm. the Discworld games in later years. And just the other day, my youngest son come up to me because I was rebuilding a, a Raspberry Pi emulation box, and he said, um, "My eldest son wanted to play, you know, Pokemon and Mario and things like that." And my youngest son said, "Can I play the game with the wizard?" And I was like, "Game with the wizard? What are you talking about?" Mate? I was like, "Are you talking about, you know, one of the Super Nintendo games or something like that?" And out of nowhere, he said, "You know, the 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 talking wizard with the with the red hat and 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 the and oh, the dress." Oh, and I was sweet. like, "Red hat, the dress." And he's got a beard. He's like you, beard. He, he looks like you. And I was like, <laughs> right. And then um, I just, I was thinking about. It. I was like, oh shit, he's talking about Discworld because he mentioned that the guy had a box with loads of little legs. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh bless you, mate. You want to play Discworld? Yeah, I was like, yeah it's really That's funny. That's a proud parent and I, moment. I kind of, I typed it into Google, and there it was. Um, you know, where the idle screen where Rincewind is tapping on the screen yeah. to tell you to come and play the game. He was like, yeah, that! I want to play that! So I've, I've had to set up a Raspberry Pi with oh, Scum nice. on it just so my other man can play Discworld. So yes, Discworld is a winner there. For I, The only thing I remember about Discworld is, I know we had it we had at home, was, um, it was, from my memory, it was bloody hard. It, it had, was pretty tricky. If you, yeah. you weren't a reader of practice books as well, it was well, difficult. Well, see, my sister and Paul were, and they struggled with it big time. Really? They got as far as... Um, it had a lot of convoluted Pratchett 
esque stuff in it. That yeah, you really I think they're all quite logically brained, so he struggled. I mean, they go as far as the there's a bit where you go in the sh- a street, I think, and you sort of walk down the street and you meet like a. Um, oh God, they didn't get very far. You meet like a, a, a young boy who calls the himself lovable a, street starfish. That's yeah, it, yeah. I think that's as far as they got. Wow. Now I know, and I I think I might actually know where. Because at this point, you need to get the. Um, you would have needed to have gotten a frying pan. Oh, when you had to get all the different pieces. You would have needed for the, for the dragon. Dragon. Um, the, the dragon detector. And to get one of those, you'd have had to have gone into the gone to the street, gone into the uh, the loony bin, uh, the psychiatrist. Oh God! Shut up! And, sit down. Yeah, but you have to do it twice after talking to the people in the thing and then they would have moved out of the way so you could yeah. have gotten the net to then yeah. go back to the university to, to yeah. get the pancakes so but yeah. even yeah. that tripped me out at back in there so I was like well I've already been in there there's yeah. nothing I can I do I think the actual is because you never played adventure games before yeah. I think if you play before you know the tricks yeah. Yeah. and you probably pick up that pass I've got to do this more than once Yeah. and because I never played it before they didn't, that's probably where they probably never went back in there again they probably thought went in the city for me to see in here and that yeah. was it yeah, I just remember it. being so impressed with it visually, the way it looks, the how big Ankmore Pork was. Not that yeah. big looking back now, but like back nope. then it was, and it was filled with characters that were fully voice acted that you could talk to about various stuff. Just like, wow, this is this is fantastic! Like very impressive for its time. Truly yeah. interesting. It still actually is a pretty pretty nice game. I mean, I've done a, I did a live stream of it a couple of months ago. And I had people coming in and, and chatting Again, about it. Again, fantastic pixel art stands the test of time, doesn't it? When you've got a game that is structured to look that good. I think if I get the if I get the pie set up again, I'll set up Scum, and we can sit together and play that one. Yeah, yeah man. Cool. Yeah, I'll I'll for, going again. through Discworld, yeah. That'd be pretty good. I'll like play again. I so, just played the first nice one. Nice one. Right, two thumbs up there. Yeah, I'll okay, give this one a thumbs up. That's, uh, that's two out of... That's two, two for two, two so far. That's, that's two out of twelve, twelve, actually, if you count all the both lots, so... Cool. <laughs> I'd be ace to see have you guys in head over this watch stream. I'd love to give this Yeah, yeah we'll do that. It seemed quite popular when I was when I did it on Twitch. Oh, it must have been months ago I did it. Just had it all set up in the living room, just running it off the um, running it off the pie. I actually have it. It's still in, all installed and set up on the pie too. So you know, <laughs> uh, I'm also tempted to do some streams of um, 80s text adventures, which is going to be really fucking dull for a lot of people. Yeah. Know, but I think it'd be kind of fun to try and play through a text adventure. I think it was Chris Livingstone made a series of modern games as text adventures, adventures, and he did um he did Far Cry a text adventure, Far Cry Three a text adventure. He did Zonid the text adventure, <laughs> and he said, <laughs> I think at one point he said, um, "What you you've you've gone round, you've searched everywhere. What do you want to do? Search again." You've gone around, you've searched everywhere several times. What would I like to do? Search again for everything. You've gone around, you can't, you've looked in every possible room and crane. What would I like to do? End level. You found 50% of the gold coins in the level. It's <laughs> 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 like, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, right, so on to my second of my 90s games. Are um, you feeling confident? Yes. We've had two for two so now, far. Now, this is interesting, it. actually, because it was basically the 90s. Final games of the 90s. So actually, like this game, I didn't actually play in the 90s. Mm. But it was a game that I loved so much, I had to put it in there. Okay. Right. Um, I will say I probably prefer the sequel a bit better, but I think it's because it's a game to find in me, to find... It's just the, the one that I've mentioned the sequel to. Yes. Right, so, 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 so yeah, this be interesting. So we can tie them in together now, rather than talking about the I one I think it'd be nice on. to keep them... Really? Yeah, because I think that might cause a bit of jumping around. Oh, yeah, Alright, fair enough. Um, we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, I picked Thief. Which is one of my favourites as yes. well. Um, so, I think what I like about Thief was, to me, that defined a stealth game. 
It's one of the first true stealth games, yes, isn't it? Yeah. And it still is. I mean, it, it makes a lot of modern stealth games, I say the word, word sparingly, um, look like shit because it actually required you to stealth. Yes. Um, yeah, it did. And if you remember the harder levels, you couldn't go toe to toe with the guards. And my mistake All the was, monsters. Like Thief yeah. 1 was especially hard compared to oh, the later ones. Oh, yeah, you had lots because of Because the monsters were a lot more monsters in it. Really do you over. And some of the levels were virtually hack and slash. Yeah. At some point, some of the levels were virtually a hack and slash game. Um, so, for those who don't know, I'm assuming some people won't. Thief, you play in the world of Garrett. And Garrett's probably the best Garrett characters in computer gaming ever. Oh, he's like snarky. He's, he's got a good sardonic wit, yeah. hasn't he? He's Garrett? not a nasty person. He's In not, fact, no, he's not. He's just a very um, cynical and very uh, self-driven person. Yeah, he, but he, he's not. He's not nasty. No, not, not anyway. Be, In fact, he's a reluctant hero, isn't he? Because yeah. he often has to save the day, even though he doesn't want to. Yeah. In every so game, like, he's been. <laughs> yeah. In every, well, then the first game plays a bit more like a hero. In the second game, well, actually, let's bring your one in. The second game, he is more <laughs> like a. A reluctant hero. He is yeah. more like a reluctant hero. He only gets involved because he has to, really. I and think the in the first one, the only one, reason he got involved is because he had a grudge to settle, wasn't that, it? Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. Um, I do think, actually, facts on the levels in the first one in some ways a little bit more inventive. Yeah. Constantine's Mansion in the first one was... I mean, that yeah, one no, is no, no, bloody that, confusing. Yeah, and the second one did rely a little bit too much on them robots. I like the robots. I, I, I like them, robots. but it did rely I loved, on I loved, I loved, I, I, The first time I met one of those robots, and so the second game, there's these robots. Um, so the first game is really about this. Basically, there's two main factions in Thief. Well, three. The, the Hamrites and the Pagans. And those are the Keepers. But the, so, and, the, and the games go, first game is really about the Pagans. Yeah. We might want to explain that Garrett is actually an ex-Keeper. And the Keepers are yeah. basically kind of like an undercover Illuminati, aren't they? they yeah. They, they keep the secrets of the city, and they are... They use power of the glyphs. Yeah, they're like which, they're like a sect of wizards that attempt to kind of um, uh, keep the city safe. They believe yeah. that withholding knowledge from people from the masses it's is safe is the safe do. way to do. And things. they're probably right to be fair, yeah. given how powerful this knowledge and, is. And Garrett is basically a, a, as a child is is an orphan, isn't he? And yeah. he's he like a, he's a street urchin. Yeah. yeah, he's pickpocket and one of the keeper armists, and he takes him in. Realising his potential and that yeah. he can train him and use him, mm. but then Garrett decides to leave the keepers and uh, go out on his own because he, he likes being a thief. That exactly, is, his, yeah. that is his thing. He just wants the life. He, well, he loves the rush of being a thief, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, a lot of his uh, motivation is to pay the bills on time. Exactly. He's yeah. practical. He doesn't. He, he literally. There's a brief thing I think of in the second game. He, in the first scene of the second game, he literally says. The wrench due tomorrow. I need to go do some thieving. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally the briefing. He says, "I'm going down to the docks tonight because you know what? That's well, there's lots of good. There's usually a good little bit of money down there." And that's his key. Mo- in fact, I think the first game I'm saying one. There's a first or two or four or five levels. In actual fact, just set dressing. There's no actual really story plot. No, not to begin with. They're not. just you just levels you play. Um, so, the f- so the three faction mentioned. First one's very much around the pagans, and it's about the um, I forgot his name. Oh, oh, it's the bad um, guy. Um, yeah, the god's basically like Constantine. Thing, but yeah, Constantine is his name, but he's the haunted god, isn't he? Yeah, he's haunted god. And he's a pagan. He's trying to basically invade their world. Yeah, and he's all, he's not necessarily evil though, is he? He's no, just he's, he's a trickster. He's That's a trickster. It. Yeah, That's and it. he is basically kind of like an amalgamation of Cananus, the haunted god, Loki, any old school kind of pagan nature. He's god. pagan god. Um, yeah, and uh, he's not necessarily evil. He's he's more Celtic neutral. He kind of just does his own thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's a group of people in the city that worship him, the pagans, and yeah. they are all nature worshippers. Uh, they don't like the 
the way the city is um, moving towards technology. No. The Hammerites oh, are the opposite. opposite. They're like Catholics, aren't they? They're like a Catholic Catholics church. Really, but they're all about. But they believe about in the builder, builder gods. And they're all they? about machinery and master. Well, craft yeah, I think it's so less far. about machinery, isn't it? They're more about crafting and building great towers and things. Yes. Later on, the machinery comes so in with the, the, the mechanists. You can see the, the yeah, the mechanists who are like an offshoot of the builders. Yeah. So yeah, because you had. Um, so, so the first one we mentioned about about how I'm trying to get through. So the second one takes is basically rolls around the mechanists or the yeah. hammerites. So the, yeah, the, the hammerites and the mechanists go to war, don't they? Because the, the hammerites are they're basically weakened in the first. Yeah, because the mechanists are kind of like a, a new idea on the faith. Like the hammerites yeah. believe in creating things. So Christianity is Roman Catholicism. Kind of, yeah. They yeah. believe Church in, of England, they believe right. in building things. Through um, physical strength and prowess, like you, you, you take the hammer, you hammer a, a, a masonry, or you, you smith something, you yeah. basically build. Whereas the, the mechanists were more like, well, you can also do that to then create machinery. Yeah. And some of the hammerites considered that to be an affront to them because it's like, well, actually, then what you're doing is it's you're life you're, way, you're yeah. taking away from the um, the manual labor aspect of the religion, yeah. which is one thing they heavily believe in. So yeah, it kind of created a bit of a holy war, didn't it? it? Did, Between yeah. these two factions that yeah. belong to it our It was left by an offshoot by a guy called Karras. Yeah. He left the sort of hammer he was a, and he actually believed he was a prophet of the builder. Yeah. And he basically started creating Funny his... enough, he was voiced by um, Stephen Russell. Yeah, he was. He yeah. voiced Garrett, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. same like, voice actor. Father days, they had very small voice pools. Even smaller than a, than a professor. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he, um, and Garrett's big plan was he's going to basically wipe out all non-mechanical life in the city. He's going to wipe out... You can use his um, rust disease. Yeah, that's what Karras wanted to do, yeah. And he's going to wipe out all organic life. And it's himself, pretty gruesome the way he does it, isn't it? Because he takes in all the hobos and turns them into cyborgs. And then yeah, fills them with servants. that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, the servants, and they were going to talk basically, and he gave, he gifted them all to the local people. And One thing I do love about Tifa, has a horror, horrible, creepy undertone, a lot of yeah. the stuff in it. It's very dark. Oh, it's like, very dark. There's very much a case of, if you're rich, you're okay, you do all right, but the poor people really, really are. Yeah. Really you have to be a brigand or a thief to get by, really. Yeah, it's really, I mean, one thing I want to say about actually just, Feep, is that um, looking at our students? Actual fact, at one point, the original game, the first version of Thief, actual fact, they um, had to cut some of the levels. They cut, I think, three or four levels out of the original, the final first game, because they couldn't finish it on time. Right. They moved all the stuff you meant to find, so like um, craft this device, to like one level. But then they, when they did Thief Gold, they returned three yeah, levels, and you got three back. You got um, the Wizard's <laughs> Tower level, which was very good. The Thieves Guild. Thieves Guild. That was that. That was a humongous. It takes about three hours. That's yeah. a huge level. Um, they, I can't remember the last one they entered in, but they entered all these, put these levels back in to basically make, and they restructured the game around these three levels, so it makes it skin more fuller. And that's incredible. I mean, the only place in the place I've done, done recently, similar thing, would be not. On, I know we should be talking about it. But the game I mentioned last month reintegrated it, I put a whole new level back into the game to make it fuller. But I won't go over that again because Luke will probably hit me. <laughs> um, so, the, and as Andrew mentioned, you have to be stealthy. You can't. It, it taught you proper stealth. You couldn't run and go. You couldn't. You were, you were better off not being um, aggressive as well. When you like, you had a yeah. choice between a sword and a blackjack, and you could stab people in the back. But that wasn't really Garrett's style. He wasn't much of a. He was more. He was a thief. He wasn't a murderer. Yeah. So you had a blackjack as well, which was way handier because you yeah. crack a guy over the back of the head. You could pick the bodies up. and You could hide them. I remember one of the so, cool things about Thief, actually. About, and this is all sort of a little bit of detail. I love in computer games, and they put this in here. 
Um, very first level of Thief 2, you you get one of your objectives, you mustn't kill anybody. Yeah. Because you're trying to basically lease a server. It's only down. if you're playing it on hard. No. No? no, it's definitely on hard because we didn't play on hard and it's in there. It says, um, oh, okay. be, on hard, you mustn't knock anyone out. I think you'll find. Oh, right, right. Or you mustn't kill. It said, Grenadier would be a gas if anyone gets injured, you mustn't kill anybody. Yeah. And I remember playing it and I knocked this guard out and I went to hide his body. So I picked him up and I wasn't thinking, I just threw him and I threw him into a pool of water. Oops. Didn't think about it. He drowned. <laughs> now, that's a little detail, because someone had to program in there, the guards, so that they would still crowd his life and would still drown. That's yeah. a pretty little bit of detail that someone obviously thought about. Because mm-hmm. there would be a lot of even monitors that wouldn't do that. Nope, As far as it was, soon as someone's knocked out, apart from being knocked out instead of dead, as far as the game's concerned, they're, yeah. they're, they're out of the game. Just one yeah. or other. Yeah. Um, so, and one thing I always say about a good stealth game, and I've said this before on the podcast, the best stealth games make you feel both simultaneously the most powerful person there and the and most vulnerable. Fuck, yeah. The most vulnerable person. Carrot, when he's in the right place, can be bloody powerful and he can take out people a lot stronger than him. Yeah. But if he makes one mistake, he's had he's it. Fucked, yeah. mm-hmm. He's absolutely had it. And that's actually a theme, actually, in a lot of my games I've picked, actually. As we go through them, or we'll find there's actually a running theme of powerful but vulnerable at the same time. A glass cannon, yeah. as it were. Um uh, Thief. Oh, and also we have to mention Thief Three briefly, which is still an awesome game, which takes oh, yeah, yeah, around the keepers. Um, now I've played Thief Three. Yeah. Yes. Um, Not as good as the first two, but still good. Still mm. good. The levels were so much smaller. That was yeah, it was a much more Thief. linear experience, wasn't it? A lot. Well, you well, actually, that wasn't because you, you had the city, hubs, yeah. yeah. And the yeah. city had what I love the city hubs—they changed every day. Yeah. And you could actually, and as you, you could reclaim gold from places you'd already been, couldn't and, you? And stuff. If you, um, well, it did somewhat. They sometimes they ch- some of the locks would change, so the locks would start off as easier, it would get harder. Uh, yeah. Because um, it's meant to be people, if you get wobbling. Uh, one air, thing I love there. about Thief, one of my favourite things of the game, sneaking around and listening to conversations. Yes. And you had the recurring character of Benny the Drunk Guard. Who's in every game. Yeah. Who, who was in every single game, and he's always, he's fucking hilarious. You just listen to this, this guy ramble on about his problems to another guard. And oh, like, yeah, his infection. Yeah. He well, he thinks he's going to die, and it's <laughs> like. No, you're fine. Um, yeah, which which actually again another game that was out at the time was System Shock Two, and I remember making a joke because there's a group in because Stephen Russell again voiced Benny, didn't he? Yeah. He put on the stupid voice of Benny, and he voiced the many in uh, System Shock Two, which were like a. a, a did you play System Shock Two? I've played them. Yeah, they were like a, a race of uh, alien. It's like an alien. Um, the start entity, isn't it? It's all yeah, and if it latches onto you, you become part of a tide mind, basically. Yeah. So, and they talk about being the many in Benny's voice, and I just used to think we are the Benny, and it was just fucking <laughs> cracking up. It totally uh, made them completely non-scary to me, because even though they were quite a terrifying enemy, so like, yeah, then they're, they're just being chased by the Benny. Not worried about that. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it was. Um, we have to very briefly mention, and basically just say... That C4 is shit. Yes. C4 <laughs> was... And there's a whole half an hour of me ranting around. There's loads hate of us talking about how much we hate C4. Uh, the entire run-up to C4 was basically... And normally called Thief. So when I say Thief, I'm talking about the proper Thief, not Thief. We're talking about dead, um, Thief uh, Dark Project. It's the, yeah, the original. That's, yeah, I don't know if it was called or not. I think they added on the second edit. No, was, Thief, was, Thief to Dark Project. Thief 2 is Thief to the Metal Age. And then and Thief is Deadly, Deadly Shadows. Shadows, yeah. Well, Thief 4 is utter shit. Thief off, because they used the 4 as an They changed e, it, though, didn't they? Or whatever, they yeah. They changed it, though. They realised how stupid that was. And it's an utter shit Wait, game. what did they use the 4? They used the 4 as an E. Yeah. That's so, TH4, I... How long I, could that be? 4 was, Elite is A. Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't yeah. ask. Um, obviously, the four look more like an E. So I mean, the better place to put it was the F, as four starts with an F, so at least that could have been somewhat justifiable, but now they put it zero. No. No. Well, no. they're just dropping the four, but in time, it's called it Thief. Good. We, uh, we just got Thief. I think the I think they called it Thief to try and distance itself from the other games. So if they called Thief four, people explain it. If they just got Thief, we can pretend it's a different game. Despite the fact the main character is called Garrett, we can pretend it's a different game. It's a shit game. It's a shit game. It was no. basically what it was supposed to be. Was um, what's the new Star Wars film? Force Awakens. Yeah, that shit. That the Thief was supposed to be that as the new generation's version of. I'm awfully sorry, you've got a shit thief game. Yeah. Didn't have the same atmosphere as the originals at all, did no. it? And they dropped all the cool speak. Like, one thing I love about thief is that they made up like, words and shit. Because like, it, it spoke a very old English and you had made up words like taffa and um, there were some other um, uh, examples. I can't remember what they are offhand. Know, yeah. But yeah, random bits and pieces that they'd say. And I loved that. It really added to the immersion and the world building. And you really did get an idea of the city in Thief being yeah. this this kind of dingy, dark place where yeah. all these backhand dealings are going on, backhand dealings. And, uh, it just missed out all the little subtle details of the, the first okay, So I remember I've told a story of how I walk around a street and there's an animation that one of the beggars do, but they all do the exact animation the exact time, so they're just like having three clones next oh, to each other. God. And the city hubs were shipped as well because the dialogue would repeat. Did he give it a fucking clock tower yes, as well? Yes, he did. Fucking stupid. Wow, that's not <clears> funny, <throat> mate. Garrett in V3 lived in a shitty little room in an apartment. He still had the biggest house. He still had the biggest apartment in that um, whole block. You know, everybody had a single room. He had two rooms. Oh, yeah. So to be fair, he did all right. You go through and you talk to the guard. The guard who knows you because you live in that block of flats. It's yeah. like, I love it. It's I like Garrett. Little things like that, yeah. yeah. Garrett's just like this... Just Watch out, Gab. People, like the guard. That's the cool thing about Fifi. If you, if you, the night the guards there, if you sneak past them and rob, rob them there, you get sacked the next day. Yeah, they <laughs> sack. He disappears, and you get a funny letter saying you're sacked. You let everybody get robbed. <laughs> I um, quite like the Garrett's like little uh, inner voice as well. Like when you're walking around and stuff, he whispers shit to himself, which is yeah. brilliant. He's such a character. Like Snarky. when he's walking around and he's saying, saying things and like talking about the situation. Like there's, I remember there's a bit in T3 where you get to a point where he can push a cog off a thing on the people. And it's like, uh, not really kind of my style, but if I need to do it, then you know it's there, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thinking man now, stealth game. Right, so now the verdict. So this is worth two out of twelve, you see, because we've got two games involved. Yeah. Hmm. You're gonna have a bit of a problem with this one. Uh, stealth games have always been a bit of a pain for me. It's not that I don't like them. It's just that my particular stealth series doesn't tie into anything like that. Um, the stealth genre for me always started with tension. Bear in mind, there's two of us and one of you. Let's put this way. Tension stealth assassins is a good game, but. Not much of a stealth game. I've got black Like, I don't know, it was just very easy, I found Tenchu. Like, it didn't have the but same have sort of level of challenge. The time of it. Yeah, it was the sort of same time, wasn't it? It came around about 1990. It's probably 95, 96. Tenchu came out about 97, 98. Yeah, same sort of time as Steve. So uh, they're very different games. I mean, it's not to not Tenchu, because I love Tenchu. Tenchu 2 is fucking brilliant. Easily mm. the best one in the series. But um, they're very different games. Um, oh, although, yeah, for sure. Yeah, although they are stealth games. I find Tenchu is more about the style of how you go about your stuff, because you're a ninja, aren't you? So mm. it's like uh, a lot of it comes down to getting stylish kills, <laughs> making sure you time everything right, and, and I don't know, it just doesn't feel the same as Steve. It feels more like a ninja game, whereas... Yeah, which is why I like which, it. Which is good, whereas Steve is, is different. It is more just like you are... 
a, a, a thief rather so, than an assassin. Thief is going to be no for oh. me, but I did like Thief Three, and um, I own the Thief games. I do own the lot. Mm. So what we'll have to say is, whilst I'm not going to say it's a middle ground. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a middle ground. He doesn't hate it. So it's it's a thumbs down. It's more of a yeah. It's kind of like thumbs sideways. Yeah, well, here's I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm that, that means of, good though, doesn't it? I'm, gi- I'm, gi- I'm giving you a bit of a. I'm kind of giving you a. I'm giving you a bit of a. Oh, right. A slide here, so... Can whilst, we have half a point, please? No. <laughs> but, because I haven't said straight out, yeah, that's badass, I love it, what we're going to do is, remember when where we had you play Rain, shamefully yes. the unreleased first LP of Rain yeah. Nerds, uh, because of the fuck yeah. up in audio. Um, we need to redo that, let's play. And it was a fun game. Yes. We're going to do the same thing, but this time it's going to be you guys trying to get me to see what you like about... Thief. We need thief. to get your Metal Age. I think Metal Age is the better Thief game. Metal Age is the better yeah. Thief game, yeah. I think we should play through the first three. Yes. Okay. In different, at different points. We'll yeah, no, I'm down with that. I do love that series. It is, again, Even if it is just literally me watching you, played, you guys I play. I think if you play the first three levels, if you've not got into it by level three, you're not going to get into it. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's all, I think I would say, it's when it all starts to really show its chops. If you've not yeah. really gone to it by level three, I think you're not going to get into it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Again. Oh, what I think I'll say about Thief, what I love old oh, oh, school is that Thief took for, was a long game. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. very long game. So, and that same with Thief 1, they were a long game. I think actually someone's having less detail in your levels means you can make the levels bigger and those make them quicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can make games. And Thief 1, 2 were a very long game. It I took like weeks for me to play the, uh, Thief the 1. Assassinate how to kill certain enemies as well. Like the robots, you couldn't kill them, but they had a furnace Unless on the back. Unless you had explosive arrows, you could uh, kill them. All oh, right, uh, but they had a furnace on the back, you could put it with water, didn't they? Yeah. If you had a water arrow, you could hit yeah. it. If you hit it directly oh, in the furnace. I remember, actually, in fact, just, um, I remember the first time I encountered one of those robots, because I'd never seen them before. Scary as fuck when you first find um, them, aren't they? It, it was in the bank, I think. I'm in the bank, and I'm just downstairs in the civil, and all of a sudden... What was it? It's like... Yeah, just noise. And I wanted to see the recording saying, The joys of Karis. All must hear the joys of Karis. And it's, you can hear like... And his voice is weird as fuck. And you know, it's like, like, it's like this clockwork mechanism starting up as he starts. And as he finishes, it stops. Like, it winds down. And I think, what the hell is that? <laughs> and out of the darkness, just female. She's got this, like, um, the two arms and this little glass eyes. Where it was like, sort of sight. And it walks past. You saw your hide in the shadow. And this walk stops past. You think... Really Do you ever find the weird little fucker in the tower? Yo, him! The little yeah, fucker that follows you around and you can't kill it. You're just like, what the fuck are you? Leave me alone! <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't, still... it doesn't ever hurt you, but no. it follows you around. It's, like, like, it's a servant. What? So the servants are these people they've converted and they've made like all these metal helmets. And this one's like a little baby one. It's, it's a little like, child, isn't it? That's and fucked up. And it follows you. It meets, yeah, it meets you. And it's, they call, I think it's called the cherub in the game files. Yeah. And it just follows you around laughing. And it's really it's creepy as shit. You know, like, I'd rather even when it alerts me, I'll be alright, but it's just fine. And you can't, you see, you can't kill it. It's invulnerable. It's bloody. I try closing it in doors, everything. <laughs> like, it's it's like the fucking butler from Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut the bastard in the fridge. He still <laughs> clips through the door, like part way. It's like seeing the train yeah. jack through the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little creepy fucker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I remember all, all the cameras in FIFA 2 as well, the sort of noise they made, that little sort of, you heard them, and they, and they sort of locked into you, that sort of, they locked yeah. onto you, yeah. That uh, was a cool game. That was a cool game. Yeah. Right. I'll have to take a crack at them. Yeah, yeah crack, that wicked yeah. game's definitely worth giving your time. Yeah. 
So so far we're two out of twelve. Two out of twelve. Two out of twelve. You're only having a bit. Yeah. You're having a bit. Two and one third. <laughs> two point. Yeah. I'll give you two and a quart. <laughs> two and a quart. All right. We'll Fair take enough. two and a quart. That, that's, that's I'll, I'll give you two and a third. Is that for both? Is it a quart for each game, or is because it's two and a half? FIFA fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> and we no. were talking about FIFA three as well. So it's two and three quarts. Three quarts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's no. just back. I think if we round it, it'll be free. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Just no. All right. So four games down. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, my second choice is Dungeon Keeper Two. Um, I went opted for the second one because I love both of them. I obviously was introduced to the series with the first one, like, and I loved it. It was instantly one of my favourite games. I like games where you get to play as a bad guy. I especially like games where you get to play as a bad guy if that bad guy's funny. Villainy and comedy are my two favourite things, so if I get to play as an evil funny fucker, I'm generally quite happy. Um, so Dr- uh, Dungeon Keeper 1, it basically what it is, um, the first one and, and the second one, the same similar sort of game, but the, the idea is that they're strategy simulation games. And what you do is um, you're the Dungeon Keeper, so you're, uh, you're basically... A floating hand, that's all you can see of yourself. Um, and uh, you have. Perhaps that's all you are as a floating hand. Might just be a floating <laughs> hand. But uh, what you have to Communicates do. Communicates via sign You start language. off with a room, and, and your room has your dungeon heart in, and your dungeon heart is basically the life of your dungeon. Um, if invaders get into your dungeon, the first thing they're going to do want to do is get to your dungeon heart and attack it, because killing your dungeon heart is how they will beat you. But to begin with, you won't have any of that, you'll just have the room and nothing else. And what you have to do. The objective is to dig out um, a, a labyrinth or a series of rooms that link together and uh, create a dungeon where creatures will want to move in, evil creatures, to reside in your dungeon. And you then use them to help you obtain the objective of the level that you're on. So it could be anything such as uh, take over an enemy base, get hold of something, just all different little, little missions. But the core of the game is build a dungeon track creatures to your dungeon with various things so the way you do this is you you carve out rooms in the rock and you do this using imps which you start off with they're your starter creature and you can create you get spells to create more of them um you don't have any direct control over these creatures they are basically uh ai so um what you'll do is you'll you'll direct them by clicking on the on the squares of ground to dig and then you will shape a room by selecting, say, a certain radius of these squares and decide, right, that's where I want my first room to be. They'll dig it out for you. You then turn that into a lair, which is a room where creatures can rest, and that will start attracting the first creatures to your dungeon. And it plays out like that, basically. You'll be building more rooms. Each room attracts different creatures. Different creatures can do different things, and you'll end up with this dungeon with creatures that have their own AI that live within the dungeon and walk around the dungeon and and do various functions within the dungeon while also defending your dungeon against enemies and slowly sort of invading out into their space. Um, it was brilliant because before then, my only experience with strategy games had been Doom Battle for Arrakis uh, or Doom 2 Battle for Arrakis, uh, Command and Conquer, those kind of real-time strategy games, and I don't really like them kind of strategy games. I don't, mm. I don't find them to be very strategic. It's more just find what unit's best, spam the fuck out of it, and invade the enemy base with it. It's, it's yeah. never been my cup of tea, really. Warcraft Two was another one. That the, them sort of games. Whereas this, I, I found had like a lot more layers of depth to it in the sense that 
you weren't in control of these creatures. You weren't completely in control of them. You could uh, later on get a spell where you could go inside of one and walk around in first person and, and control what it did. But yeah, you, you basically had to rely on them to take your objectives for you using subtle means to get them to do things. So in a sense, it's kind of like the, the first proper crack at um, pet raising simulation, I suppose. In in yeah. a sense, kind of makes me think of tower defense as well. Partially, you sort of yeah, I can see that. Um, again, it's a Peter Molyneux game, so it has all those ideas that he and and again, this is why Peter is a great idea man and not a great developer as such. Imps dig in real time. Imps dig in real time, <laughs> but everything about it is very much a very Peter Molyneux thing. Like the whole, you've got these creatures that are alive and they do different things, and and it was very ambitious and it tried to do a lot of different things. He has a with. thing about sort of things existing outside doesn't he like yeah and like he i think he has a thing for living worlds it's like yeah. a big he likes to have a living world to interact with and this was kind of my first foray into that um but obviously because he had his he was tied up with having the actual developers that knew what they were doing with him um they take the bulk of his ideas and work with them and work them into a manageable product which dungeon keeper was the second one I preferred, the reason why was because it expanded on the first. It had a proper 3D engine, whereas the original was um, sort of sprite-based. It was 3D, but it was 3D sprites rather than... Um, not sprites. Um, so 3D no, no, like... Uh, how do I call it? Like two-dimensional sprites in a three-dimensional... Oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you look 2. at the... 2.5D. Sort of, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was very odd-looking, but it worked. It had a really nice start. The third one actually didn't look as nice because it went all 3D, but it went all 3D in that era when 3D kind of looked a bit muddy and a bit garbage. So actually it looked worse. So it looked a little... Like the dungeons looked better, but the creatures didn't look as good. The creatures looked worse. But um, what particularly sold me on the second one is that the... Um, originally, in the first game, you had a, a narrator for the story so when you had like you were on the map screen and you selected which place to go you get a little overview of which place you're invading from the, this narrator and then you had a different guy who was more demonic sounding doing the voice of oh, like telling you what's happening in your dungeon like your creatures are fighting or yada 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 and in the second one the narrator did that and it was much better and it had like lots of different things built into it like it would read your game's clock or your, your pc's clock and if you were playing late into the night, it would go, go to bed, Keeper, you're up too late. You might have work tomorrow and stuff like this. It just come out with these random things. I used to love it. Like, it really impressed me at the time that the uh, it would read into what your PC was doing and comment accordingly. Um, mm. And it would come out with, with stuff like you had these creatures called mistresses. And if you built a torture chamber, it would attract these dark mistresses to your dungeon who are basically like dominatrixes. Um, that you could use to torture enemy opponents to either get them to give you information or to turn to your side or just because you're a sadistic fuck and you want to do that. Um, and if you had too many of them, he'd go, your dungeon seems to be filling with a lot of mistresses. There's a word for keepers like you. You just get <laughs> stuff like, like commentary like that and it gave the game real flavour. Um, the introduction sequence to the first one as well was initially what sold me on the series because it was just like... It was mad. Like it, it had this uh, this kind of medieval uh, Dungeons and Dragons world. These knights invading this dungeon and these goblins. But you got goblins flipping the bird and like uh, a big fat ball demon that just keeps farting and shitting everywhere. And it just really did not give a fuck. It just did whatever the hell it liked. It was gross. It was unapologetic, and I loved that about it. It just 
it just had this this raw attitude and this really kind of grim sense of humour that really appealed to me at the time. Still does, really. Mm. Did you ever play any of them, Nick? I've never played Dungeon Keeper. Really? Never. Wow. I've, I've heard about them quite late in. I never, and because I've never been a fan of strategy games, I've sort of grown on that. I've got used to them later on. I think you should give them a go because they aren't strategy games as such, as yeah. I say. They are more a simulation game that incorporates a certain mm. level of strategy. Um, but they aren't... In fact, in some ways, that makes them more strategic than games like Command & Conquer, um, but not as strategic as, say, games like Tactics Ogre or um, Fire Emblem or games that would require you to have a... Um, um, strategy setup where you'd be moving units from place to place um, within turn-based sort of things, which I think is more strategy to me. Mm. That feels more like strategy to me. Whereas a game like Dungeon Keeper, more of a sim, strategy sim. Cool. But um, absolutely fantastic game. I, I love both of them. Um, yeah, Bullfrog, who made them, also known for other big titles, Theme Park, Theme Hospital... Uh, Syndicate, all games that I really enjoyed, really loved, and all games that are staples of the period of time we're talking about, like of that particular 90s period. Cool. Hmm. Thoughts? Right. So, seeing as you haven't played, and yep. I think I may have done, but don't remember much of, right? I can't give it a yes or a no, so it's going to be another one of them games that we're going to have to oh, sit down and play. Well, oh. you need to play it Anyway, if I lie, I'll tell you, I'll tell awesome, you something. You <laughs> no. One thing I will tell you is you will love the theme. I know that you'll instantly love the theme of what mm-hmm. the, the game is about, and I think you'll like the fact that the monsters. It's got that kind of Pratchett esque sense of humour. It's, yeah. it's got monsters very in British it. It's comical. It's very British. I think I remember. Really some, I think I remember some things about it, but the trouble is I don't remember sitting down and really giving it a, a proper go. Like you so. get like a. Um, one of the rooms I remember was uh, in the second one. You could build a, um, a casino. And uh, whenever somebody won on the casino, Burn Baby Burn would play. And you could kill the guy that won and take all the money back and put yeah. it back in the treasury. You're like, oh, that's evil. But that's brilliant. It's just little things like that are what, what gave it its character. Yeah. And you can kind of almost see when you play it the precursor of what Peter might have been trying to do with games like Fable and stuff, but where we went wrong because he went too fairy tale and a bit too... In some ways, too ambitious, perhaps. He went, Fable was oh, trying to be so ambitious. Peter was too ambitious. Overly ambitious. I know, no, I know. The, the, I know um, he's usually such a reserved guy and very underestimated the status guy. And I know he's usually very cautious in his promises. These games, though, these games are why, <laughs> as much as I take the piss out of Peter Molyneux, I also love the guy, because the guy, you know, it is good to have that sense of ambition. I just think he has to be around a team that reigns him in and make yeah. sure that he isn't getting too ahead of himself. He needs to be an ideas man, and he needs to sort of sit there and get the ideas, and other people sort of say, right, well, tell us Yeah, say to these guys, is that mechanically possible? Can we do that in the game? Will that work? Well, actually, you, you know? say, guys, this is what I want. Make it happen. Yeah. Rather than sort of doing half hard, like, oh, we're close enough. Yeah. Make it happen. I think Cody's starting a, a, a case for Peter Molyneux that a lot of the stuff that he was trying to do back in the day would have probably worked better now yeah. than it would have Possibly. done back then because Again, of technical limitations. Minds like his were very yeah. in abundance in that period because, like I said, it was an experimental time in gaming and people were trying new things, pissing about with like all the new systems and trying yeah. to make different uh, types of games. And I think that's why it's such an important period to me because although my childhood is based around the era of the NES and the SNES and the Mega Drive mm-hmm. I don't feel any anywhere near as nostalgic about that as I do about PlayStation 
and the PC and, and that kind of era of gaming. Mm. Perhaps it's the one you remember the most um, because obviously I, I say back when it was my first game I, I played like, like on my IBM PC like Snake and something. That was my well, first. I, well, I had a Mega Drive with a good fifty odd games back in the day, mm. so I had played lots of games. It was yeah. just that, as much as I loved that era, and I do, I love the SNES and the Mega Drive era. Yeah. The PlayStation era had something, and the PC. I don't know. It was something special about it. Something very unique about that yeah. period. I think it was because it's perhaps it's because it's the biggest jump we've ever had. Like, you went from two-dimensional games yeah. to three-dimensional games or two-dimensional games that were fully animated. Yeah. Like, the jump from, say... And there's quite a big difference between the PC games, a big jump between and the consoles at the yeah. time, wasn't there? There's a massive yeah. difference. And then if you compare that that time period then to the PS2, the jump wasn't that big. They just no. made things look better and it, it kind of didn't really change anything yeah. spectacularly. Yeah. So They've caught up, basically. Yeah. caught up and now, it's, and so they're very similar. Yeah. So it's not such a big deal. But yeah, Dungeon Keeper, it's, it's, it's a game I always will go back to play because it's just such a cool little game, such a neat idea. And I'd love to see somebody do more with it. I mean, we've yeah. got Wars at War of the Overworld and it didn't turn out anywhere near as good. Another company tried to do another like Dungeons or something and that was shit, that wasn't that good. Um, and no one's been able to replicate it so yeah. far, that, that experience. This is obviously, this is Pierre Moniz's gone for He has that little bit of a spark where he can make those games a little bit special. Yeah. He just needs to get a team around him. Yeah. And he needs to take the Blizzard approach to having, to having staff. Possibly. Which is, when they say, oh, this is going to be very difficult to do, the Blizzard say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll pay you money each week and you do it. Yeah. That's basically the approach you need to take. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, all neat little games. We'll have, to, we'll have to do a... So this is a, this is a no from you, then, for the time being? For now. For now, okay. Oh, yeah, I'd say it's a, rather than a no. It's, it's, not so a, much, uh, it's not so much a no, it's a I don't remember enough about it. And just from hearing what Brian has said, it's a neat concept, but I want to sit down and actually play Fair it, enough. see how it goes, yeah, and enough. we'll see how you go too. Because it was kind of weird to have Brian talking about it and then you not really having much to say. Yeah. No, but uh, there's going to be games in there which... Because Dungeon Keeper is very kind of different, yes, uh, for the time. But cool, yeah. Yeah, I think like that. As well as it being Dungeon Keeper, it does also sum up my love for Bullfrog and those kind of games that were coming out at the time. Long dead. Yes. (laughs) Poor Bullfrog. Consumed by the EA machine, sadly. Didn't EA try and bring back Dungeon Keeper? They did, as a mobile game, which you have to pay to build the rooms and shit. How EA of Microtransactions. How very EA. And then they made a fucking rap about the Horned Reaper. I was waiting for someone to say, hey, look, it's, you know, Pete Molyneux, real-time stuff, hey, in the the iPad game. Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) real-time. There's pretty much a load of shit like that. Poor Pete Molyneux. He probably looks at that game and weeps. Bless him. Then that's probably why he made Goddess. Because yeah. he had a mental breakdown. Poor Peter Molyneux. Just pat him on the head. Oh, bless. <laughs> oh, bless. I think we should adopt Peter Molyneux. <laughs> <laughs> should be our podcast mascot. For just, for just five ninety nine a month, you too can have a Peter Molyneux. He'll, <laughs> he'll write to you every month and send you cards. <laughs> he'll send you his crap ideas that you can't put into a game. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll send you letters in real time. <laughs> <laughs> Peter used to be a game developer. Now he can't make ends meet. He coded us out of bins. <laughs> can you tell him, but just, just phone and you can tell him, we can help get Peter a home. 
We yeah, never put a healthy piece of Molyneux yeah. down. <laughs> oh, piece of Molyneux. Oh, buying the developers. I do love Peter Molyneux. Uh, yeah, I remember Dungeon Keeper. I don't remember playing much of it, but I remember the cover art for it. So Classic. There you go. Classic. There you go. You know you've got it when you remember the cover art. Good. Right, so on to my final game of the 90s. I don't think we even need to guess what this one is. This is, I will say, when I put this in there, I was two minds putting it in there because I thought this is going to be such an obvious, stereotypical yeah. choice. Whoa. And I thought to myself, but do you know what? It's your I love choice. it. I love it's your it. choice. It has to go in. I love it. I thought, do you know what? I don't give a damn. I love yeah, it. And right. everyone says, oh, it's such an obvious choice. Well, tough. It's the game I love. So I put it in there. And well, I'm I thought that there. was the objective to put in the exactly. choices. Of what we... But I thought, if I put it in there, a lot of people are going to say, well, that's obvious. Well, I don't care. It's a game I love. So I put in Half-Life. The probably the most... I think... I want to say it's probably one of the most, probably one of the most famous PC games out there. Because everybody, I think most people have heard of Half-Life. And it's all the, yeah. the joke game. I mean, anything game... But is it was huge games. at the time. Like, it was, it was massive at the time. It was... Well, it's an amazing game. Do um, you know what I think as well? I remember when I first ever played it, that the, the soldiers had really good AI. Soldiers are like, fantastic The AI. Marines had really good AI. You play it now, it's shit. AI. The AI was awful now. But the AI time was amazing. It, it was such a revolution. So didn't they used to shout like commands and shit to each other yeah, and did. stuff? Fire and hole. I used to remember that. Shit, know, run! Do you know what that was all randomised though? The commands used to shout to each other? Was it? That wasn't anything to do with the actual way they would behave. They just really? randomised each other. them. Yeah. That was all randomised. Oh, but really? Because I'm sure they used to throw grenades when they did. They did, but that was, that was tied to the grenade throwing. Oh, okay. It wasn't, they, they wasn't, they, it was all, but other than that, most of the commands all flank all But that was cool. That really did build up an atmosphere. I think it was a, such a jump in gaming and it come, I mean, it's all put, put Valve on the map. Yeah, it really did, yeah. yeah. Um, and this was actually interesting how I got into this. So, I actually buy. I didn't, sorry, it's, it's my game in the 90s, but I didn't actually play it in the 90s, but it's all 2001 probably. Okay. And I got we got a PC, seven fifty megahertz processor. Wow, fucking hell! Yes. Do you know what? I used to play Half Life around my friends actually, and I'll tell you, we played it. I played, tried it on my PC, and it ran like, yeah. but I played through like the first half of the game like that. It took me fucking forever. Yeah. But I did it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I know what you mean. Um, so I got and I had a friend of mine who. Was into PC games. We bought the PC games, and he gave me a big pile of demo discs. There's about thirty of them. I was going through them, installing games of demo discs, because obviously I had a PC that could play them now. Uh, these are all quite old ones, discs as well. And I came across them discs and had Opposing Force on it. Oh thought, yeah, God, yeah, it was a bit late, wasn't it then? Yeah, I thought, oh, what's this? Installed it, and I thought, this is really good. Did a little bit because I didn't play the internet properly then. Did a bit of research on, oh, that's part of Half Life. I thought, I've heard of Half-Life, I've heard of we go, and they brought it, so I thought, I want to buy it. So I went back to Norwich, and went to that bookshop <laughs> again, and they had Half-Life. classic bookshop. <laughs> I wish I knew where it was. And they had Half-Life on the shelf, a complete box, where you got um, Half-Life and Opposing Force together. Yeah. Um, so I bought it home, I stored it, and then probably played it about 12 hours straight. It was, I never played anything like it, and I thought, you, you think it's just going to be like another first-person shooter, but it really isn't. It was so innovative at the time. It, the whole the whole intro to it, the whole sort of intro where you sort of take your time, you sort of, you're Gordon Freeman, you go into the base on the tram rail, and it takes this good sort of, what, five, ten minutes long, I think? Yeah. And in the first hour of the game, pretty much, there's nothing happening. 
And there's, I've never played a game like that before. All the games I've played in the past, which is all the Yeah, because you're on a little tram, so... aren't you? And you talk to the scientists, and then you get yeah. like, the stuff come over the intercom. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to go put on your HEV suit, then you have to go put um, some material. <laughs> the, and... the, the scientist who accidentally blows his lunch up in the microwave. Yeah. Like, just little touches like that, weren't it, at the beginning? Yeah. I remember being like astonished by how good it looked at the time. It was as well. amazing. Uh, it was absolutely, and that's what I mean, that's what sort of and it, me it in. basically trumped games two or three years after it, didn't it? Like yeah, it made it games that came out later looking. look amazing. It was, that's what I think revolution was just such a shock. This is like wow, games could look this amazing, and because you look at it now, you don't think much of it. No, but I don't think people appreciate at the time of how much of a leap it was. I mean, I even when I was young, even when I played it, confused, I realized how much of a leap it was compared to what I had been playing. Yeah, and this, I think everything about it was just so tightly designed the level design was so tightly designed it was just spot on the uh, the monsters were so well designed and they were so scary um, although the little hound always always made me laugh because obviously they look like pugs yeah the yeah, ones used to walk up to you go look they used to sound like little do- yappy rawr, dogs rawr, yeah. and they used to all go and then bam and sort of sets all sort of boom out and the guns felt brilliant the, the shotgun was amazing we yeah sort of sh- that felt brilliant and Every the the, the crowbar, uh, the crow, oh the crow, you can't smashing head crabs or smashing and everything, everything was so satisfying. You know when you smashed the crate up and this noise it made, you smashed them up, and just hitting, just hitting a metal wall was fun. Yeah, it was so and it was just such a revolution. You go, I just can't. It was amazing, and, and to my mind, it blew my mind. It's like wow, how awesome is this? It lost it a bit towards the end when you go to Zen. I think the one thing that I hold against Half-Life, the only thing I hold against Half-Life, because again, it was a revolutionary game, is it did set the stage for linear corridor shooters, yes. didn't it? Um, but like, which, although because they didn't do it as well as Half-Life, because no, they missed out the cinematic part yeah. of it. Yeah, it's right. I will agree. The game is very linear. Yeah. There is really only one route through it. There is no sort of deviation. You can have slight deviations, but there's only one route through it. Yeah. I don't think what about it is that all the levels are very different to each other. So, not necessarily, but so you, one minute you're underneath and you're fighting for a base against monsters, then you find the Marine, and then you're upstairs on the surface having to take on a helicopter gunship. Yeah. And you've got, but you've got to make it over a minefield as well. And you soon learn to use explosives to find the mines. And. But then you're also going to try and move it around marines and tanks, and then you're back underground and you find this monster with like a gun that fires hornets. And you have to use and then you have to find another monster, you have to use an artillery mushar launcher to just blow it up. Yeah. Any battle was amazing. The characters in the G Man was amazing. And honestly it carried on. I mean, half was like the game of but it's become a joke now. I mean, I was speaking to a friend of mine. Skipped a generation as well, didn't yeah. it? I, mean, I was speaking to a friend told. of mine and he didn't realise that Half-Life was a real game. He'd seen the get all the jokes into it, oh, so I'll release Half-Life 3 at some point. And he thought that was like a meme. Oh my god, really? He didn't realise it was a Half-Life game. He said, no, Half-Life was a real game. And was Half that was Half-Life 2 as well. That was a real game. Which was also really big, yeah. Which is Job Lucy, the Half-Life Funnily enough, 2 I've was never, released, what, 10 I've never, years I've never ago? actually played Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2 is... Uh, it's interesting, actually. I don't like it as much as Half-Life 1. Uh, no. But again, it revolutionised things because the, the quality of graphics and, what, and the physics in it was amazing. Um, but and it was also really good storytelling but I preferred the atmosphere of Half-Life 1 I think again it comes down to when I first played Half-Life I mean the only first person shooters I'd been exposed to at that time were Doom and Blood which I really loved Blood Blood was always yeah. my favourite one of those and Duke Nukem and those kind of games so like it was new to me that like you had this new 3D kind of shooter game but after that I kind of lost interest in FPS games completely yeah. so when Half-Life 2 had come out 
I just wasn't interested, and that's why I never played it, I think. Even yeah. though the story I hear is good, but... Yeah. And it's a game you can complete in 20 minutes. What, Half-Life 2? Mm-hmm. Half-Life 1, you can oh. do... It. Half-Life 2, you can do an hour. Right. You can, so people have let people um, speed run it in an hour. Wow. Uh, I think it's awesome. well, well, an hour and a half. Twenty minutes. Something but then like it that. is speed running, and I mean, it's half an hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've That's seen people. I've seen people thrash Dark Souls in lightning quick. Yeah, times. I can see that being it, so, done. Yeah. You know, people got on Souls level one, don't they? They can just go straight through the game. But I know it's an obvious choice, but do you know what? I don't care. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, so now it's the arbitrator. Yeah, you're not going to be happy with this one. Yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> I didn't that. say no. Right, so it's, no, I, I don't have much of a thing against Half Life, but the thing is, I didn't really play it when it came out. I was on like this kind of dry patch with PCs at the time because <laughs> you shouldn't uh, have given up. Well, no. Uh, uh, so <laughs> I, cold I, had, turkey. I told you before, didn't I, about my old Pentium One beige box, yeah. which had like a graphics card that was basically like spitting at things. Yeah. So I couldn't really play. Many people. I mean, that was the one that I played fucking Discworld point and click on. Yeah, and that was pretty much the peak of the fucking system at that point. Yeah. So after that, I moved on to laptop computers, and as you know, uh, laptop computers of the time had fuck all in graphics power. Mm. I wasn't really like I wasn't buying these machines to play games on them. I think my laptop all the way up until maybe two thousand two thousand one only had an eight meg graphics card in it, which is still it's. Minimum for Half Life One, just bordering Half Life. Shit, dude! I remember going on stuff on your laptop back on the day, downloading things in real player audio. Yeah, uh, real player. Because let's get tension wire episodes, whatever in real player. Like less than sort of. But we used to pull all that stuff off down from fucking you know on the school networks and stuff. But it was the machines didn't. The processors were fine on them. Perfectly fine, but the GPUs are absolutely fucking garbage. In yeah. fact, in one of my laptops that I was using at the time, the graphics card was nerfed. It would have been able to have played Half-Life and Half-Life 2, but they'd locked the memory on it. Yeah. Um, then actually effectively cut it in half in the BIOS and then nice. locked it. So there wasn't... How nice and random of them to do that? Well, yeah, because they want you to buy the higher model. So... Could you hack the BIOS? No, I didn't think about it at the time, to be fair. I had looked in uh, you know, years past things, you know, I could... Like, this should be able to do that, but no. So um, then I ended up building a dedicated PC, you know, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but then by that point, Steam had started to kind of roll out onto mm-hmm. PCs, and they had a thing against Steam. So <laughs> I didn't like Steam. No, I didn't, and that was no, that was nothing against it. But what Steam did was make itself a useful service. Yes, well, that's uh, what that's what I found in later years. But that yeah. literally, it took me to have children to think that Steam was actually yeah. useful because I was like, shit. Because it's funny, I remember when I, when I was really anti-Steam when it first came out, so the idea of having to actually install a, an, an online system to sort game, and a lot of people were very anti-Steam. Mm-hmm. But now the thought of not having a Steam... If you're a PC game, not having a Steam account seems crazy. Yeah. I'd rather have stuff on GOG, yeah. to be honest. I like um, GOG, but I automatically, whenever I download a game on GOG, I just list it in my Steam library yeah, anyway. Yeah, you have to, don't you? Yeah, I, I, do I don't do that. Yeah, if I, was, I don't have to log into Steam, I don't. It's almost like an ego thing, isn't it? It's like you have your your games library, people can see what you've got. You I know. don't think see, you can't see games you've added to it, can they? You can't yeah. see if, you, if, if you add like, for game like God games to it, they can oh, see Oh, I it. don't know about that, but they can see what games you've got. Oh, yeah. Like, so it's, it's almost like a, a, a gaming identity in a, in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, Having yeah. a Steam account. Like, 
God, I think they see my Steam Live. They know how random some of it is. I've got a couple of first-person shooters crossed with Farming Simulator, Euro Truck Simulator, and a couple of random games I bought while drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've got um, some weird. I dread to think what these are. I've got some weird hunting game on there, but while drunk, and I, I used to, I, I owned a game called Deer Hunter. That was quite fun. Oh God, I Deer Hunter takes me back. Yeah, I, I haven't played that, and I, but I bought this. For some reason, I bought this for hunting game at a shit. Mm-hmm. I bought it. I, that's how I didn't realize Steam Minimals existed at that point. So they had, they were there at that point. I didn't realize it existed. I got refunded, but yeah, it was such a shit. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so yeah, people were on Steam, not then. Yeah. No, well, when I bought are recent, didn't they? Yeah, this was this was fairly recent. Oh, right, okay. so, yeah, this <laughs> oh, That's what we talk about early Steam. No, no, early Steam. Oh no, early Steam. I was I was really anti Steam for so long. The only time I ever used Steam was I used to buy games in the library used to have link up to Steam automatically. So I like here as a like, Dark Messiah of Might and Magic. Yeah, I bought it, stored it, and it linked straight to Steam. Yeah, fuck that. Right, so Steam. I know my new computer. Um. Download Steam again because I want to play Half Life. I noticed on the list was here at Dark Messiah Might of Magic. I thought, hang on a second, that was on the old computer. Double clicked it. Do you want to install it? Yes. I thought, bloody hell, it's installed. I thought, that's amazing. You know, this game I bought physically is now there. It knows it's mine and it will just install it for me. Mm-hmm. This is bloody good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what sort of actually sort of turned me into Steam. And, then from the, and as they sort of Steam store properly and add all the bits and um. I said, one of my sci-fi whether I buy a game is, is on Steam. That is actually a, a, not the sole consideration, but one one of my mm. checklists is on Steam. Yep, then I'll probably more like to buy it. Yeah. Because it's just easy and convenient. The first place yeah. I check is actually GOG, to be fair. Yeah. I check, is it on GOG or is there a DRM free version of it? And if there ain't, yeah. then at a push if it's on sale, I'll buy it yeah. on Steam. But I'd actually be willing to pay for a game full price if it didn't have DRM on it. So if GOG didn't have it on sale and it wasn't yeah. on. I mean, Steam is technically DRM, but to be honest, it's DRM, I don't think it's that invasive. You know, it's just, it's, Steam is the DRM. Mm. I've never caused me an issue. But no. It's only fair pie DRM that causes yeah, me issues. Yeah, it's now that things have decided, oh, Steam exists, let's make our own one. So we can't really, because everybody uses Steam. I mean, I'm, shit version. I'm still the kind of guy, though, that likes to say, like, I've got this game. What do you think to it? And then rather than say, hey, here's my Steam fucking account. And you go and log in and install yeah. it and try it that way. It's like, look, here's the fucking executable. Yeah. Have a crack at yeah. it. What yeah. do you think? Then have a go. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yep. yep. But that's... I'm a social bastard, so I don't have that problem. Yeah, that's fair, I suppose. So, yeah, so, yeah that's my third choice for 2009 Steam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Steam. <laughs> yeah, Half-Life, not bad. Um, have you played, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give it a thumbs up because, I mean, I've, I've played them. Not, I never finished them. Um, have you played uh, Black Mesa? No, I've got it though. I've um, bought it. I've not actually played it yet. So shall we all sit down and run through that one as well? Yes, and we'll maybe. say we won't yeah. give Half Life. We won't give Half Life. You know, there's uh, some of these games teetering on the edge of being given a thumbs down, but we might try to pull them back if we. Yeah, can maybe. Maybe. I doubt Half Life's getting pulled back. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, we all know that you know sacrilege here that I prefer Portal ever. Oh, I, like I have to admit, well. I, I'll be honest oh, yeah. with you, I'm not a big fan of either. Like, you know, Half Life, I, I liked at the time and I was impressed with it, but it's not, like, yeah. my cup of tea. So, yeah. so well, I'm not exactly going to say that Portal was the fucking, you know, the defining game of everything, but still. No. Yeah. Portal's a good game. We've actually started recently playing, family started replacing, bleh, have recently started playing free Portal 2. That's cool. I, I loved the co-op mode in Portal. I love the, the, the humour in Portal 2. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, my sister found went on we were looking on YouTube and there's a 
YouTube video of all the best bits of both GLaDOS and Wheatley. And it's just, it's about half an hour long because there's just that much fun humour in it. Mm. I mean, GLaDOS is so snarky about your... She's, she takes piss out of you, basically, for most things, because she really doesn't like you. Mm-hmm. I think it's her first line she says is, we both said a lot of things that you're going to regret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and our favorite, my favourite line of her, uh, she says, is... <laughs> She said, you, you get on this like aerial, what they call the aerial face plate, which will throw you across the room. And she says, look at you, gliding majestically through the air like an eagle, piloting a blimp. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was the best one ever. Good old Gladys. Bless. Bless. I love Atlas and Peabody. That's just it. Just, yeah, I no, so I know what you mean. So Bard, come on, you've got to save the 90s. We're on a losing streak so far. You've got to save the 90s. Only you can do it. I don't think my decision is going to save the 90s somehow. My decision stems... Well, I I, I like a lot of games from this era, and it stems purely from the fact that this particular game started a particular style of game from that era in in the PC, and that game is Diablo. The first Diablo. Um, Because I think... Blizzard now shit. I don't like really any of Blizzard's games. I don't like War World of Warcraft. I don't particularly like anything that they make now. But back then, Blizzard would have shit back when they had StarCraft, Diablo, and Warcraft uh, 2 and Warcraft 1. Um, Even but, though you've actually very just just recently slammed the shit out of Warcraft, saying that you didn't like that style of game. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I wasn't into. Uh, that's what I mean. I wasn't into that game. Like the Warcraft game. But to say that they were the shit. They were the shit. <laughs> they were the shit for Diablo. They, no, they weren't the shit to me though. But like, do you know what I mean? Those three games were very mm. popular games at the time. They were the shit as far as people were concerned with PC gaming. They defined an area, an area of PC gaming. But Diablo for me was the one. I didn't give a shit about Warcraft. Didn't give a shit about. Starcraft because I wasn't into the strategy games I liked the, the theme I liked the comedy but just wasn't into the gameplay but Diablo I loved because it was just it, it's kind of less is more really with Diablo because it's gotten as Diablo's moved into sort of Diablo 2 and Diablo 3 they've kind of added more and more and more and more stuff and Diablo 1 was very simple the premise it was you were either a warrior a wizard or a rogue in a village um, and the village was built on top of the gate into hell the gate into hell led into this dungeon that goes down multiple floors to where Diablo is eventually residing. And, and bad shit is happening around this village. So you're basically like this travelling hero that's come to this place to earn glory and to basically discover what's going on in this in this village. And the game's basically like a hack and slash um, where you click around, you sort of move your move character isometrically. Um, and, and you click on enemies and multiple click on enemies hit them and attack them and kill them um, and what you do is uh, you, you get as far down through the dungeon as you could in a play in sort of a one gaming session as soon as you realise you need to go back to either resupply or whatever you open a portal you jump back up to the city you resupply yourself you, you maybe get a little bit more of the story if, if you've reached a certain level of the dungeon and then you drop back in it's just mm-hmm. basically working your way through this dungeon to get to the bottom what is simplistic, in essence, is bloody good fun. Because as you're going through, you're leveling up, you're gaining more skills, you're finding more areas, you can explore all the nooks and crannies of this dungeon, and you're getting more pieces of armour, and your character's getting better as you go through. It was a grinder. Yeah, it was essentially one of the first grinding games. But 
It was a grinder and a mouse massacre. But yeah, it was it was different <laughs> to say a grinder like an M- how the way MMOs forces a grind, in the sense that um, I don't know the combat. It's interactive, wasn't it? Yeah, it's and the combat felt more real and more addictive. I found like I like MMOs. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I don't hate them, um, but I found I find that they feel less. Actually, there's something very removed from an error, isn't it? Because most MMOs, it's like you're not you click on you, you set your enemy, then you're just hitting keys on the keyboard to sort of like do this attack. I suppose, yeah, there's, yeah. There's very not all of them. Dis- there are some no, that no, try no. to bridge a gap and do, do work. But Diablo, like, I don't know what it was about it. I suppose it was just because like you you didn't have MMOs at that time on the internet. Um, so it was just like you against this big ass fucking dungeon, just get your way through it and I like that I like fighting my way through this dungeon and, and getting stronger and becoming this badass warrior because I used to play as a warrior in that game mm-hmm. and then uh, trying to fight my way to the bottom but it, it inspired then games that I might have even liked slightly more than it um, Nox for example did either of you play Nox it's called Westwood title um, it was the same sort of premise but it had more emphasis on magic I recall um, you could be a warrior a mage or a uh, an elementalist type I character. I the cover. Um, and it was a good game. Yeah, it, was, the, the, it, it did things a bit differently. But then there were lots of other games that were similar and, and that came into this sort of isometric combat style thing. And, and I don't know what it is about Diablo. Something about it p- particularly stands out to me. I think it's like the first one, more than the others, has this kind of overwhelming sense of dread because you're one guy... Go, you, you didn't have like in the sequels you could get like sidekicks and stuff and you, you went from place to place and you got stronger and became some warrior going on this quest but you're one person basically going into the mouth of hell to fight Diablo and it was imposing and the music made it more imposing the whole atmosphere of the game was imposing I don't know it's just something about that game I really really liked um, and it defined an area of, of PC gaming for me um, the only thing I could compare it to on consoles, even though Diablo did come out on console but wasn't as good, um, was Legacy of Kane. That was the only thing that had the same sort of tone. I actually ended up preferring the first Legacy of Kane. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't kind of set the stage like Diablo did. Mm. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah no, Diablo was a fucking awesome game. I remember sinking hours and hours and hours and hours into it when I first yeah. played it back in the day. I must admit, I'm not a fan of hack and slash grinding no. games. I'm not a fan of them. So I know you're not into like the medieval kind of thing, either, are you? Or like the, the, I like you know, my the fantasy, but I like have a little bit more. I like to like have a structure around it. And this is, I, I think of... this is kind of what Diablo did differently. Is a lot of these other games at the time were adventures, and you were going around and you were doing all, like help people out, do this and that. And Diablo was just like, now nah, you're just one good one dude. You're going into a dungeon, you're killing loads of monsters, and you're fighting Diablo. Simple as that. You get your way to Diablo, you fight your way down to him. And you kill the fucker. And yeah, it was like, yeah. Yeah, neat little game. Right. Whenever people mention Diablo, for some reason I always think as your dreams. Yeah, man. And that was yeah, a wicked one game. One of you going down, the other one oh, going, going up. up. Yeah. Um, same kind of idea, really. Dungeon, yeah. go through, try and get as high as you can. I prefer as your dreams, I must confess. Yeah, me um, too. Diablo was shit. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's I've got a good answer there. Diablo wasn't a shit game. It was just... it. It was a very bare bones game, but uh, no, it was, and I get it. For the time, it was, you know, because it came out before As Your Dreams, didn't it? Can't remember off the top of my head. I mean, Diablo was again. It was released in that period yeah. where I was kind of drifting between everything, and Diablo just didn't sit with me. It no. just really didn't. 
Um, I played, I think I played the first one for a bit, played the second one for a bit. Blizzard can eat a dick. I like the second one. I like the second one a lot. I, I sunk more hours in the second one than I did the first, but the second one came out in 2000, so I couldn't stick it in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Here's the same issue I had with Thief. Yeah, maybe that can replace Thief 2, considering we did that. But yeah, yeah. The, the Diablo 2 was the better game because it gave you more classes. I mean, the first one you only really had three. The wizard wasn't particularly good. Then Diablo 2 gave you, oh, you can have the sorceress. Um, you can have... Uh, what was it, a barbarian, a necromancer, and then the necromancer gave you pets. And that was one of the first times I remember pets being done in a game where you could have, like, uh, summoned creatures that would fight for you. And not, I mean, where Azure Dreams did it, but Azure Dreams did it with a system where you had pets that you'd level up. Mm. But, but this game was just, like, the, your minions that you sort of call in and they'd fight for you. So, yeah, Diablo 2 was probably the better game, but... And Azure Dreams, though, man. What game? I love yeah, that game. Yeah. I think, yeah, well, well, what makes Azure Dreams better, obviously, is it had a story. You were going there to... Your dad was, a, like, the the legendary fighter that went into the tower and never came back, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. And then you were, like, to set his... Uh, live his legacy. And, um, yeah, you were... And, and as you went through, the, diff what, the difference between that and Diablo was is... Whereas in Diablo, we just coming back to the city to resupply... In Azure Dreams, you were coming back to make the city better. You were improving the city, and, and the game would um, change as you were doing yeah. it. Because the higher you got, the more the city... So you start off as Puffy change. Lips Co. that everyone thinks is a fucking useless twat to begin with, don't you? Nobody <laughs> likes him. It's like you're that pauper that lives in that shitty little house and, at the end of the street. You're never going to be as good as your dad, what the fuck, kind of thing. And then mm. you go in, and you start kicking ass and breaking in money... And then you start like, doing things like you can build your house up, you can build a bowling alley, which is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I just remember other know. places getting bigger. And the yeah, and then you could, you could give the money to the church and the church would become bigger. And then like, yeah, you were basically like, because you were a village in the middle of the desert, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Like it was a little oasis. The tower was pretty much the thing yeah, in the There was village. a tower, a little village and a desert. And that was it. It was in the middle of this desert. And then you, you kind of basically... As you advance in the game, you gain more pets and monsters. You became this famed monster tamer, and you started improving the village. And then people started coming from outside, didn't they, and visiting the place? And you had your rival, didn't you? Gosh, and I, I, I this is ridiculous. Um, in the Japanese version, he was the last romanceable character because one of the things in the game was all the girls in the city. You could get them into into liking you, and once you got them to a point of liking you, that it was just like a bonus thing. Oh, you've got. The, the shopkeeper to like you you've got the his his snarky maid sister to like you and then the other girl that was like your best friend but in the Japanese version he was the last love in arrest once you got there to a certain point in the tower he admits that he was such a dick to you because he fancied you and you're like bless him oh okay but then they cut it out of the English version it was like what did you do that for like, you could have it obviously it would have been funny you know like it wouldn't have been a, a big a, a, a big deal, you know? And again, this this kind of stems back into all this, oh, well, we don't have representation in games and stuff. Japan did it way before anybody else, and the West was like, no, we don't want to know. We don't mm. want to fucking know. It's just like... But yeah, that was a cool game. I love that fucking game. Turn out so, so can we just throw out there then that as your dreams, this console game at this point, Diablo is supposed to be the thing that defines it, the console game, the PlayStation 1. Is, different yeah. games, I think, though, but in the sense that they play different, very different. Still better. Yeah, I prefer Shit. I love that you're looking at the mic, not the camera. Fuck the camera. I don't like them either. <laughs> Again, it's hard to say Diablo being on like this, because I do like it, but 
there's games that it defined that I like more, and I, I'm struggling to think of which. I know there's another game on the PC that I really like that was in that style. <laughs> like I like Magic and Mayhem. That was a cool game, and that was similar. It was top down, but you summoned monsters to fight for you. Mm. And Nox again, I fucking love Nox. That was an awesome game. It's just that that sort of genre defining thing about it, I suppose. Oh, yeah. I suppose. Right. I might just be that I hate Blizzard. I just automatically hate Blizzard games the same way that I automatically hate Bethesda games. Just yeah, I'm not, <laughs> that's just it. I'm not a massive, massive fan of Blizzard. Blizzard's best game, though. You know what it is, don't you? you know what Blizzard's best game is? Rock and Roll Racing. I'm struggling to think of anything. You ever played Rock and Roll Racing? Yeah, I've played Rock and Roll Racing. And, they and did. Um, I like Lost Vikings as well. I like Warcraft 3. Lost Vikings. Yeah, I did like Warcraft 3. That was when Warcraft started going. Well, I didn't like Warcraft that much anyway, but that was when it got really bad. Didn't like that one. That was when Orcs became the good guys, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because you play this Thrall, and it was like, yeah, Thrall's a good guy. Okay, whatever. Here we go. (laughs) So, had a really cool cutscene at the end of it, though. I remember being really impressed with the FMB at the end of that game. Warcraft 3. So, so in summary Uh, of the 90s, we've now reached, we've actually now reached in the 90s. I know we feel we reached it a long time ago, but we have. (laughs) So, we've got two thumbs up, three maybe, and and one one no. So, so far, Barbara failing. <laughs> yeah. We're only failing because I was struggling for a last choice. Yeah. It's not, it's not, no, it's not Diablo's fault. I get it. I, you know, I, I do, I do get Diablo. <laughs> it's not Diablo's fault. I just hate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's not you. It's not you. It's I'm me. I'm sure I at some you. point there was, a, you know, maybe there was a spark at one point. I remember Diablo, playing but... it for the first time. I'll never forget the first time I met the butcher. Open the door and ah, oh, fresh meat. Oh, what the fuck is that? It just comes running at you. Like, fuck, run! <laughs> Again, like, like, it's the atmosphere of that game. It had a very imposing atmosphere. I kind of dig mm. that. It was kind of like the more serious version of Dungeon Keeper, I guess. Where Dungeon Keeper's monsters were funny. Like, Diablo weren't at all. Just nasty oh. and imposing. I did try and get back into Diablo with Diablo 3. But that was a really bad yeah. move on my part. Yeah, Diablo, the first Diablo yeah. is its own thing. Diablo 2 was probably where the series peaked. Um, but yeah, Diablo 3 isn't that good. I played Diablo 3, I don't like it. I barely even got a chance to play it. <laughs> I made a character and then Blizzard Perma banned me. Oh, yeah. That was See, and they've become multiplayer games, which Diablo wasn't. Diablo was a very solo experience, the first one. Very... Mm. Very overwhelming solo enclosed experience on your own. You didn't really need to be playing it with anybody else, and that's kind of part of the magic of it compared to the later ones, I suppose. Mm. I think I actually like Diablo better than Diablo Two, which is rare because most people say Diablo Two is the best one. No, throughout though, when it comes to grindfests, and I could be completely in the wrong time period here, like I'm probably thinking earlier, but of the, and I know it's a different kind of game, but you were probably sat there playing Diablo. I was there playing Gauntlet Legends. I prefer. I used to play that as well. I, I like prefer Gauntlet Legends to to Diablo. If I was going to play a grind fest, yeah. I'd rather play Gauntlet too. Gauntlet came. Gauntlet Legends came out a little bit later, I think. Not a fucking clue. I just know I played it on because Diablo was well early. It was a ninety six or something. It was a very early game. Or ninety seven. Couldn't tell. I think it's ninety six. It's a very early game. So I remember playing Diablo and Blood. Because they were real early PC games. And like, mm. I, I hope it's 97, because otherwise we're out of range. Are we? Oh, well. Maybe <laughs> we are. It was 97. In which case... 1997, no matter what Wikipedia says. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to break time and put it there. Uh, the game I was actually initially going to put in, but I didn't know whether I should put it in, as it was like the... 
I don't know. Was Constructor. Yeah, Constructor. I used to really like Constructor. Again, I'd already had a simulation choice with the Dungeon Keeper, but Constructor was also a game I used to play. Was it on PlayStation as well? It was on PlayStation as well, yeah, but it didn't function as well as it did in the PC. Hmm. Um, I think I had it on PlayStation. Again, it's one of them games that came from that time that had a very British sense of humour. The Hmm. sort of British sense of humour that is frowned upon now. Like, I used to remember my... uh, It's fucking awful, but one of my favourite bits in Constructor... So when you click on the houses and the people were angry with you and depending on who they were, you got a little different FMV thing in the top corner of your screen. And if it was the slobs, the slob family, like the skinhead shouting at you while the, the wife is carrying, t- the skinhead's got a bottle of beards, the camera, and the wife has got two fucking babies screaming under arms and two black eyes. Yeah. And it's just like that, it's just fucked up. Like, but hilarious at the same time. Like you've mm. got these proper slobby council estate characters. Lovely. Less. So that's the nineties over. That is the nineties over. We're moving oh, into. So we're moving to the modern age, the modern century, when Robbie Williams sung us into the millennium. Shut up! <laughs> uh, I think we should have a countdown: five, four, and have like we can like get a light bulb to send. We could get <laughs> Peter Molyneux singing millennium. Millennium. <laughs> so we'll join us again in the millennium. The millennium. Yeah. Right, so my first game of the 2000s um, is Operation Flashpoint. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's Operation Flashpoint. Right, I remember Operation Flashpoint. Mm. This is another game that I brought off the same set of demo discs I got Opposing Force off. I think I remember playing Operation Flashpoint on a demo disc that also had Hidden and Dangerous on it, if I recall correctly. Possibly. the same sort of time. Might have been the same sort of time. But it was, I remember playing this game and I had... I remember playing it, and what sold me on it was the fact that it was the first kind of thing I had played. This is where you could actually go prone. And I played the first, and it came with the default mission. The default mission is actually one of the sort of um, scenarios in the main game. You never played Commandos then? Yeah, but I mean, first person. Oh, right. Yeah, game. Hidden and Dangerous, you could go prone as well. That's probably, yeah, why, it was first on, person that's like probably it, yeah. why it was on the same and disc. I remember playing this mission, and I thought, this looks like interesting. What's this game going to be like? And you sat there, you your wife, and I thought, Okay, this is quite this is quite real, and you got told to drop mounted in the vehicle. You drove through the air across this big map, and then you unmounted. This is just a demo. I know you sold this village, and it was just hectic, crazy. There's bullets everywhere. It's, you're shooting Russians, and you're trying to find where, where I'm looking. Thinking, where the hell are they? Because all wearing camouflage. You know, you most game first one shoes. Everybody was wearing like sort of brightly coloured clothes. You could see them easily. No, they're all wearing camouflage, and you're dropping down prone. You're crawling along. You can do things like sprinting, sort of throw yourself to the ground. And it was just crazy. All stuff we sort of take for granted now. Exactly, but it was absolutely crazy. And I yeah, remember, back and, then they were better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember when I finally, it took me about eight attempts to get through this mission. And I was guarded and I felt like I'd been like through a real war. It's like, my word, that was intense. I thought, I'm buying this game. And it took me a while to track down a copy of it, but I remember buying it again. It came a lovely, beautiful box. Box has all gold embossing on it. It's beautiful. Uh, and it was, I remember installing it and it was just like a little, and what I loved about it most, the fact that it, it was a toy box. Because we get because your armor's obviously replaced it because it came with a mission editor and you literally got the entire map and it's a huge map you can literally start with one end of the other it's a humongous map and, and which I've never seen before I never played a game where you had one huge map like yeah. that before mm. and you got this mission editor and you could like say oh I'm gonna have two tanks there two little guy uh, two guys with rocket launchers here let's see who wins 
And I spent half the game, I, I did actually play the single player, I think I played like two missions single player. The rest of the time I just played this mission editor making my own missions and just basically putting people against each other. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was, it's really, it was a really simple military shooter and it's a sort of harking back that if you got it right, you could be bloody deadly in it, but you were so vulnerable at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the multiplayer mode on it, when you're going around and you're firing people, you bloody were stealthy because, you know, you made a mistake, you were dead. Mm-hmm. And because it's so realistic, you couldn't sort of run and gun it, like sort of coal or something. You had to be careful. It had to be timed. You had to sort of move around cautiously and set up traps. Back in the players. days before your health regenerated, bullets pushed yeah. out of your oh, flesh no, and the wounds no, came no, back. Oh, you could go to a medic tent and get your health back. Oh, yeah. Um, the AI med is... kits? Kids these days don't know <laughs> what med kits are for. Uh, the AI as well, when the first we see something with squad, and the squad just starts giving you commands. The, the AI will give you commands. It's very broken AI. Have a broken commands um, like two move two location foxtrot echo zulu. <laughs> you think, did they get someone different to record every single line and every single word in this dialogue? It sounds so what random. And I bet you can just Stephen like, Hawking telling you what to do. Oh no, at least his voice is the same. This one wasn't even that. It was just it was just inconsistent. That's like they just gave him a sheet of words. I remember, <laughs> actually, like playing the mission I was telling you about, playing the mission, I remember like, I think like the fifth one version of the time I played it, we were playing, we were going through, and all of a sudden, um, my because it used to highlight when you spoke, you'd like highlight, and you'd see all the people, the dialogue would be correct, they used to highlight yours, and at one point, the squad leader got killed, I must have been second in command, because all of a sudden, the pump's saying, this is two, taking command, all of a sudden, I control the squad, I think, fuck, what do I do now? I have no idea how to use this interface. And I said they're trying to think, and I think, but within thirty seconds, my entire squad was dead. I thought, well, I'm not going to be a mission commander anytime soon. I remember all playing. those days of playing Rainbow Six wasted. Look. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I love this game so much. I, you mentioned that at college. I was at college, and well, I this so is when um, when I first actually kind of got to know you. Yeah. Because we were in opposite classes. Bloody hell! So that's Rainbow Six isn't on there. Well, you're looking at the wrong section, aren't you? Because <laughs> it is on there. Is it? Yeah. yeah. You're ruining the fur from Is it? Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but it's not. It's not the classic. Ah, uh, yeah. well, there's reason behind that. Um, okay, there we are. So I went to college. Yeah, and I was RS rather than writing the full. Should title, just put right? the bloody show notes down. Let's be lazy. <laughs> Read the old show notes. You might get more satisfaction now. Oh, what's on the old show notes? <laughs> <laughs> from last time. Yeah. <laughs> The show notes are still in here. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I'm entertained. <laughs> I, um, so I was in college and first met you, and I saw from my group of people, and I said that you got to play this game. It's awesome, mm. and they have been used to play sort of. We played other games online. We played like Delta Force together online, like, so forth. Nine eleven So I said, I loved them so much. I went and I bought them all a copy of the game. I spent 40 quid of my own money buying each of them a copy of the game. And I remember we were all getting together. And one guy who got really into it with me, and we used to sort of, we set, I made a mission up, and there was like this village, and we were going to assault it, and me and his team assaulted him. One of my friends insisted he have a helicopter. So I got him a helicopter, I put him in there, and he threw him a helicopter. We went to the village, and he was going to bomb it, and then we were going to throw. So I said to him, I said, Right, I want you to bomb the village. I watched the helicopter come flying Bloody over. Despot. No, the helicopter just flew away. I said, <laughs> You haven't bombed the village. He said, you didn't give me a target. I said, the target was the village. <laughs> the entirety of the village. I can't really talk, actually, because I used to play Simcopter, and I used to hover above the bridge and spray it water so all the cars would fall off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but at least you fired your weapons at the ball. And he just still flew over it. He wanted me to actually target. Like, seriously, the village. It's like, um, mate. Can you give me a target? The target's the village. Village! I want you to bomb the village. Of course, at this point, all the AI had seen his helicopter and was flagging it, and they all legged it towards the forest where we were. And they all come up to us like, oh shit. And he come back this time, he managed to, he fired two missiles at the village. Wow. A bit late. And then, bomb! You wanted the helicopter, just bomb the bloke village. So the next time he played, I played the helicopter, I just went over the village and went, Trump helped him how you actually bomb. I thought, just pretend you're an American and shit. Bomb him! It's like Vietnam, just bomb him. Yeah, that's what I was Fucking Vietnam too. So, but. That was so yeah, awesome. If it was really like Vietnam, one of the villagers would have preferred a pitchfork than would have taken the helicopter <laughs> out of the sky. So, yeah. oh, oh, fun times. Fun, fun times. I remember and the game was pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was just that's the thing. It's just, it was little, because you could put your own missions together and just upload them enough that you played them together. It was mm. awesome that you could make these little scenarios. You can, I've come up with a scenario you guys all to play. <laughs> so, next scenario, I'll just kill a load of innocent <laughs> villagers in a village. I hate guns! They had guns. I made sure there were no. When I said that there was no civilians in that village, I show you. <laughs> they all I had mean, guns. They I didn't use... have any fucking bullets. Munitions <laughs> <laughs> low. Yeah, well, you could also you could uh, one of the things where you could say it's to play as the enemy. Oh, that's the other one. My friend insisted he wanted to have he wanted to drive the jeep. So I put a jeep in there from driving. He probably drove straight into a tree. <laughs> It's like, well, why, why can what you... What is this, America Simulator? <laughs> Wasn't this America. about the same time that American's Army, or America's Army was... I'm about that, yeah, because well. I was playing it well after it was released. I mean, that's how I got a copy, so I mean, I cleared out game shelves. Yeah. I, thought, I, thought well, I was, was going to say, because that was the same time that, say, um... Oh, fuck, what the fuck was it called? Not Rainbow Six, the other one. Um, Delphorce? Delphorce? Oh, fuck, what was it? They had Delphorce. Island Thunder and, um... Oh, oh Ghost Recon! Yeah. I didn't like Ghost Recon. Yeah, um, well, there was a guy in, in our class, because we had two separate classes for the same yeah. for the same course. Um, a guy in our class really Group A loved... asked to beat the good group, and group B is group B is group. <laughs> Except most of your guys are mop mops. I used to just play Counter Strike over terrorists all the time, and I used to wind everybody up and kill all the hostages and losing the game for us. Bored! What you do now? Why don't you? Do, yeah, so it would be fun. Well, Sixteen years, nothing's changed. I've barred basically going to go straight for like sort of negotiation. Right? I know, I know I used to be like, I get the bomb and like you have to put a bomb down. I'm like, well, we can't put a bomb on the hostages. And like, what game will let you do that? And like, you're going to shove them out there and they'll blow everyone up. Like, well, there's ethics involved. Right? It's not like a fucking terrorist. Don't give a shit about ethics. You're an ethical terrorist. Oh, you're a shit terrorist. Yeah. Because I can remember, I can actually remember there was the big computer room, and that's when we all used to land up, uh, yeah. land up the kind of. Because that was the old RM network, which you could trick so easy. Because you could, if you wanted to store some of the computers, you just unplug the network cable, suck the computer up, plug the network cable back in. <laughs> you then have network access, but the computer would be unlocked, and you could store whatever you like on it. Where we used to store games, <laughs> games online. And the great thing is, the last day we were there, the two just told us how to just let us do it. Mm. He's like, he, he joined us in. He said, "Oh, you got a spare copy?" Go, yeah, I've got a spare copy. I've got there a crack go. for it. And we all say we played just play Kapoor games all afternoon. Mm. It's like, oh, we're using the Colleges LAN network, yeah. which is not very good to we begin with. That 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 high great. school's computers. Yeah. Didn't yeah, we? Same. We used to do the same. Oh, thing. No, that's what I mean. That's what we used to do it, didn't it? We used to do Street Fighter Two and Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Doom Nukem 3D. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Uh, so Operation Flashpoint best game one of the best military simulators out there one of the only military simulators out there I will have to quickly mention 
Operation is such a good game. They actually made a game. They actually made a, a version called Virtual Battle Space. <laughs> right, Virtual Battle Space is the version that they sold to. Now, it was not sold as a trainer of how to use guns. I thought it was sold to train situations that you might encounter in the army. Mm-hmm. So the British Army have a copy. Uh, well, not, they have more than one. They <laughs> <laughs> have one copy of one license key. Yeah. <laughs> but they share around, take it in turns. But the idea is that people can sort of line up and they can sort of say, okay, we're going to give you that a little lesson in diplomacy? You have to learn to share it. <laughs> you, can, well, you can actually download the British Army. So they released the, their version. Right, I don't know how you use a keyboard. And you can actually download it. <laughs> And you can, uh, um, well, no, because they decide to try and they want to try and recreate. Sorry, decide to flunk school. Now I'm in the army. Oh, great! <laughs> uh, they um, well, to, they use it to recreate situations. They like, like sort of recreate your main counter, like the sort of train sort of how to react to them. Mm-hmm. And you sort of, it's not meant to be a, a shooting thing. It's meant to just react. American version. <laughs> there is no diplomacy. You just shoot everything. <laughs> America. If anyone buys a grenade, apparently, apparently, apparently the British the Army version does come with civilians that throw rocks at vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> so you can drive down have put your vehicles are pelted with rocks by fucking civilians. riot simulator yeah um, good job <laughs> in America you just gun them down before they even yeah, do anything they threatened me with a rock so I used a nuclear missile on them they were standing there I oh yeah I'll push your flashbulb had scud launchers in it you could launch a scud missile that was awesome <laughs> you, I don't think it ever landed I mean just launched I don't think I never but, saw one land there it is. <laughs> we did it, guys. Mortis. Awesome game. Awesome, awesome game. Right. Uh, I'm going to give it a pass. Now, oh, I didn't like now. No, because I didn't play it. But the thing is, I remember you talking about it so much. I really do because that's I can remember so it, yeah because so it. many people were QQing about it back in the college days. Because my lot, you're all playing fucking well. Other than that one guy in our class who was playing, um, you know, Ghost Recon and, and Rainbow Six and that, which admittedly, at the time I wasn't a big fan of. I played them with them. I've warmed up to them over the years. But whilst they weren't my kind of group, because my guys were playing fucking Unreal Tournament, uh, yeah. you know, Quake Three Arena, uh, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> you were ultra arcadey. We were ultra a bit hardcore. Yeah, well, because simulators. we didn't give a shit about military simulators. We wanted yeah. to have a laugh and be a. You de- we wanted to be a decent shot and moving at speed. Yeah. Because a lot of your fucking a lot of the guys that were playing the kind of hardcore military shooters were so fucking slow. By the time they actually got into game with us, they couldn't keep up anyway. No. I think that I find it more satisfying when you sort of line that shot up perfectly you steal and you take someone out. I find that more satisfying than just running and gunning. Yeah, that's all fine and well, but I happen to know that a couple of the guys in your group weren't particularly good at moving very slowly no. and calmly, and that no. they were better at running and gunning and yes. got better results. Annoyingly. Yeah. Dancing Ghost Recon. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to run ahead with a machine gun and take Wasn't that on. the cave in the first level at the back? No, no, it was over a bridge. There's okay. a level with a bridge in it, and he literally ran ahead with a machine gun. Me and the Murphy Cup were being but proper cautious, zooming in, <laughs> scoping out, shooting people out very cautiously. He runs off a bloody machine gun, takes out half the half the the the, the, the you know terroristy people. Mm-hmm. We get killed. He's still going. <laughs> and, and he's running and going. He's and he goes Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so the next thing we well, right, we're going to try this. We get the machine gun. We go on and go. We're dead in two seconds. Game over, man. It's like, how are you doing this? He went to the Jesse Ventura School of Navy Seals. Obviously, <laughs> it was for the for the um, you know they were pretty fun games if you had the right people to play them with. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. But you know me, I love my military simulators. So. For sure. I've got, like I said, there were there was a time, and I mean that's. I like my military dictator simulators. <laughs> yeah. Sort of the same thing. Sort of. Except you get to dress up in fancy outfits and tell politicians to fuck off, which is... Uh, <laughs> and watch as all the people die. <laughs> Say you want my oil, watch this civilian die horribly. That's going to be you. Like, <laughs> I'll just Hus- sell it to him personally, but... Saddam Hussein simulator. <laughs> Mass <laughs> grave simulator. <laughs> oh, no. You're digging real time. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Let's move on quickly. So... Pass. Yeah, I'll give it a pass. I think he's been deliberately controversial, you know. <laughs> it's Minecraft, isn't it? Mass graves in there. <laughs> oh dear. Bard! Minecraft! Oh god. <laughs> Fucking the Nazi mod. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Dear. Got me done. Dear. Swastikas everywhere. Sheep are fucking swastikas on. Right, let's move on quickly. But <laughs> Mine is like a choice that is really fucking bittersweet for me. And it was a game that I played so much that the disc broke. Um, <laughs> I played it so much I broke it. Um, this is back in the days when you needed the disc. A disc! Yeah. Well, Physical this, disc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most this you don't game originally disc came on multiple CDs and then like it got released later on the DVD. Um, much later, but uh, originally CDs weren't just for music. Kids. Originally had it on multiple What's a CD? CDs. And <laughs> so, they're not going to know CD is. That game is Baldur's Gate Two. Uh, and, I played oh, this. I played this on the PS2. I think. No, you didn't. You no, played, the, P- the PS2 versions are different. You the played, versions yeah, different. you played. Yeah, you played. It was a Baldur's Gate Two, but it was Baldur's Gate Two Dark, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance Two, yeah. which was uh, a top-down arcadey fight. One. Baldur's Gate Two is a more in-depth role-playing game. Um, back when Bioware was still good and knew how to make a game right well that's the other it. company I really don't like yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, go, but, uh, well <laughs> I really don't like them now either but when they were making the Baldur's Gate games and I'll tell you why because it isn't down to Bioware Baldur's Gate games were good because of Black Isle because Black Isle had really inventive writers mm. and they had a lot of humour and they cared a lot more about making a functional mechanical game. So the Baldur's Gate games stand head and tails above anything Bioware make now because of Black Isle, because mm. Black Isle did most of the work. Um, without Black Isle, they just they fall apart. Um, and the reason this game was such a big game to me is because it is it defined Western RPGs for me at the time. I mean, Japanese RPGs are what I grew up with. I very first RPG I ever played, I think, was Shining Force. Shining Force 2, in fact. That was a good one. Um, so, yeah, it was um, quite a long way back, Shining Force. Mega Drive. I'm just looking up um, something else that I was looking up. Oh, uh, right, yeah, yeah. 2. Yeah, Shining Force 2 was a Mega Drive game. And I mean, like the, that was my, my exposure to role-playing games. That was, was a um, uh, uh, tactics game. Strategy RPG, yeah, yeah. You yeah. got a grid base and you collected, uh, you, you went through the game, got people to join up with you. And then you had like tactics based battles on the grid. Well Baldur's Gate obviously didn't do things like that. It was it was the the first game is the one I played first, and then I moved on to the second one, and the second one just perfected everything. Um the idea was that you'd have six characters, it ran on the D and D three point five system, I believe. So it's it's running on a on a pen and paper like style game with its yeah, own there were sort dice of rolls in the background. Yeah, so it was all dice rolls in the background. Um uh, and ran on the rules that that book had, so it would be like the character generation based on the classes and things, all based on the 3.5 edition of D&D. Um, 
and what it was is you create a character um, at the beginning of the game. Um, you could pick to be whatever the hell you wanted, like a and d game. You could be like a wizard, you could be a warrior, you could be a um, like wizard fighter, bard, cleric, thief, paladin, all sorts of things. It was really open-ended. And, and, and at the time, I remember first playing it and being overwhelmed with, with like options. And I loved that. It was like, oh, great, I can make this character. I can be anything I want. Um, and then like the second one added to that by giving you expanded classes. So you mm. could pick to be like a wizard, but you could be a wild mage. And a wild mage had a certain percentage chance that every time he cast a spell, his spell might go wrong and something random would happen, which was fucking brilliant. I loved it. Like you could you could kill your whole party by accident. <laughs> yeah, you, that's it. Game over. You've just killed your whole party, or you could summon a group of squ- like randomly just in- invade the room with squirrels. There were loads of different shit that you could do if you're a wild mage. It was my favourite thing to play in that game. I bet some of those didn't want to team up with very often. Yeah, well, the wild mage was a Celtic mage. Their spells could go haywire, which was brilliant. Um, and the idea was that you'd make your character, you'd decide what class you wanted to be, and then you'd go through this adventure. Um, and the story, basically, from the first one was that you... Well... It's a spoiler. It's an old fucking game, so spoiler alert. <laughs> the first game ended with it turning out that you were the son of Baal, um, which is a the god of death. And there were multiple sons and children of Baal. Um, you just happened to be... You and Seravok, which was the emboss of the first game, happened to be the two most powerful. And uh, you ended up having to fight Seravok and beating him, and then you ended up getting captured by a guy called Arrhenicus in the second one and in prison because he wanted to unlock your potential, find out why you were so powerful and what connection you had to the Death God. And the games would basically be like, you, you build your character, you then go through the adventure, you'd start with a, well, with the first one you didn't have any companions, with the second one you started with a bunch of companions that were optional player characters to bring with you in the second game. Not unlike, say, Mass Effect or Dragon Age, how you get characters and that. Dragon, uh, they do it differently in the sense that Baldur's Gate was more open-ended. Although you started the, the second one with a group of people, you'd randomly bump into other characters. You didn't have to meet them as part of the story. It was never predestined. You could all avoid them completely through a playthrough, or you could just run into them and get them to join you. Um, what made it special for me was... The, the amount of shit that you could do, especially if you played as a wizard, like a wizard in that game was nuts. You had like a whole lit, and for the clerics as well, all the caster classes had whole lists upon lists of spells, and they were all from the books. So like they they had varying effects. Like you could do a fireball, but if you did a fireball, you had to be aware of where to do it because if you did it too close, you'd blow your own party up. Yeah. Um, you could uh, take over enemies' minds. You could, could use confusion on them. You could, I mean, if you were a really good wizard, by the end of the game, you could get a wish spell where you could summon a genie and wish for all your spells back. So when you'd cast all your spells, because you had a limited number of them per day, and you'd have to rest to get them back, you could then wish for them all back, so you didn't have to rest. So you could basically keep going um, through a certain dungeon. <laughs> I don't think there's something that genie is all like, you summon again. Are the genie, oh, it's you again. Yeah. Spells? Yeah. Yeah, give me my spells back. Rocket, there were mate. other things I think <laughs> no. you could do. But... Hey. But like, <laughs> I'm not you again, Arthur Christ. This is safe time today. The second on, game, <laughs> second Baldur's game, was a big open world. I loved the characters. I mean, you had Minsk. Minsk was a 
fucking brilliant character. Just this random guy that joined you, and he was he, he only just wanted to be a hero. He originally was a guardian of a wizard, but she ended up getting killed. Oh, do you know if he was a guardian of the galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> As you do. But um, yeah, he, he was mad. He was just a lunatic barbarian. He was a ranger. He was actually a ranger, but he, he fought more like a barbarian. And he had a pet hamster that he used to talk to. And he'd just come out with these wisecracks all the time. And he was brilliant. Like He'd come out with various random things. And he had an enemy character called Edwin was the evil wizard, but like laughably evil. He was just like, he he thought he was this great evil wizard and he was going to become really powerful, but he's a fucking idiot. And you could get both of them in the same party and they'd argue constantly and it was brilliant. And then like, there was a point with Edwin. That, I mean, this, this kind of shows how in depth the game is. You, you get to a point with Edwin where, because each character had their own little side quest, each character could join you. And Edwin's was, he really wanted the scroll called the Never Scroll because he'd heard it was really powerful. And you find this scroll, and like uh, Edwin's all like, "Ah, oh, give me the scroll, and I promise that I won't kill you, or at least I'll make it quick." And, like he used to speak under his breath and come up with like really random things, and you could give him the scroll. And I just thought, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna give Edwin the scroll because it'll be funny. I'll see what happens. And you give him the scroll, and it turns out that the Nether related to Nether regions. And uh, the spell turned him into a woman. So Edwin's now walking around in your party as a woman. And he was really angry that this spell had turned him into a woman. He's like, I thought this was going to make me really powerful. And it, and the other party members would kind of laugh at him and say, oh, Edwin, like call him Edwina and stuff. <laughs> and there was a point where the red, red, because he was being hunted by the red wizards of Thay. And if they found your party, they'd go, have you seen like, this wizard called Edwin? And he's like, oh, no, because he's speaking with a Russian accent. I've not heard of any kind of Edwin. What a, what a stupid thing to ask a lady like me if I see <laughs> Edwin. It's fucking brilliant. And then they suss, they suss him out eventually, I think. And you have to fight them. But yeah, the game was full of humour. It didn't take itself too seriously a lot of the time. Even though it did have a serious story, the crux of the story was serious. But lots of random funny things would happen. Um, it was It was just like the defining role-playing experience for me. Mm. What people now would probably say Skyrim is to them, um, mm. that was to me. Fucking hate Skyrim. And it was more in-depth than Skyrim. <laughs> Way more in-depth. I mean, all the classes were different. It had a very in-depth magic system, something Skyrim... That's not hard to do. Or Elder Scrolls has never done. Like, an in-depth That's magic... hard to do. No. No, to outdo the Elder Scrolls games with that isn't difficult. Um, yeah, a fantastic story... But it's bittersweet for me because obviously I've watched Bioware now. I find their games completely linear in comparison. They pull them all in you. Yeah, they, they, they don't have the same magic they did back then. They're not as open-ended. They try and shoehorn, like push you into getting characters to join you, whereas before it was just like you picked who you wanted. Mm. You didn't have to necessarily have anyone. You could be solo through the game, which was brilliant. Um, and then like obviously the, the latest thing being this fucking spur whatever it is shit that's I did out. see that they'd made an expansion for one of the oh, enhanced editions the original Baldur's Gate enhanced edition and which are, just, from what I understood was crap anyway. yeah the writing doesn't match up with the original game you shouldn't fuck with something that pre-exists like, you shouldn't do it I don't care who you are if you're coming into something and, and expanding upon a universe you need to stick to the rules of that universe you can't start fucking with things and tweaking things and this is what piss, pissed me off about it is this is a classic game that I love, and you're basically fucking ruining it. Like, leave it the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. It was a game from when Bioware was still good. You know, that's the a weird rare thing, thing was that the second I saw on some of my feeds that there were like fucking five things in a row about this random expansion pack, I was like, this can't be good. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. Like, 
This it thing wasn't. could be the cure for cancer, but it they're not. It someone's not happy about it. No, and I hate it because like it really fucking knocked me that I was doing this this week, and I was like, oh, Baldur's Gate instantly. It was the first game we thought of when we were discussing this, mm. and then that shit kicked off in between. And I was like, fuck, I've got to talk about Baldur's Gate on the podcast. I'm really mad because like it's kind of retroactively destroyed a bit of my love of Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I mean the, the funny thing is if you go onto like sites like GOG, um, and you know you've got. Baldur's Gate and then Baldur's Gate. Have you Gate seen what GOG is doing now? They're making it so that if you buy Baldur's Gate Complete Edition, you have to have the advanced edition as well. Yeah. I don't want to give Beam Dog money. Fuck Beam Dog. You know, I don't want Bioware to have my money either. But I'd rather one of the shitty companies get my money than both of them. You yeah, know? but I don't like, really think that's much their choice. No. They? They're, they're being told. But I've got them anyway, so I don't have to worry. I I've think I actually the have editions. the. Yeah, I think they have them. Actually, no, I haven't. I've only got the second one. I have to get the first one soon then before that happens. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I might have to buy that. But yeah, like uh, if you went on to GOG, the reviews would instantly be don't buy the enhanced edition, yeah. buy the original because the enhanced editions were shit. Yeah, because the enhanced edition, all they did, right, the originals were the complete editions, right, that didn't have any of the mods. That was all it was. They just had the basic shit that you needed to get the game to run and, and have all the original content. Um, just the complete content. Enhanced editions just was a, was like for lazy people that couldn't be bothered to find little mods. Not that the game's they broken HD, they anyway. They HD'd them up as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. HD'd them up, they scaled them. They yeah. tarted up the, the um, uh, what do you call it, the huts, didn't yeah. they? And then they added their own shitty characters that you can recruit. That I've played part of one of the enhanced ones on someone else's computer and I killed them as soon as I came across <laughs> them. And they gave me some experience. I was happy with that. You, you know? weren't there in the original. Got some experience. Fucking run you through, Shanking their characters. But what set Baldur's Gate apart for me was that you had this world. It did feel very li- like a living, breathing world that you could go around. There were fucking loads of quests, tons of stuff to do, along with your main quest. And none of the side quests in these games felt like side quests do now. Like side quests now are like fucking go off and kill ten boars or whatever wank you've got to do. Whereas <laughs> back then, it was like you've met a guy in a, like a, a town... There, uh, there was a really good one I remember where there was like an ogre on the outskirts of this town and the people were fucking terrified of it and they were like worried it was going to kill them and when you go and speak to it it turns out it was a, a special kind of ogre I think they're called elder ogres or something and they're like from um, the oriental because it was set in arm and they're like samurai so they like had like a code of honour and he was like I just want to live on, out on the outskirts of this village by myself tell the people I will protect them if they allow me to live here. And you could diplomatically solve this quest. You didn't have to kill him. You didn't have to... Uh, there was no bloodshed involved at all if you wanted to be peaceable about it. And I loved that. That had all these open-ended ways of doing quests and all these very different um, scenarios unfolding. And mm-hmm. the party banter as well, because you had a maximum of, I think, 12 characters, 13 characters, and you could only take five of them with you at one time. And you kind of had to have a certain setup because you need a cleric to heal you. You kind of need a thief for traps. And you need a... Um, we didn't need a wizard, but it's nice to have a wizard. You kind of need a tanky character. So you sort of ha- you're a bit limited in that sense. You could do it without them. It was doable, but harder, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the, the interesting thing was, whichever of the different characters you had, there was party banter, and they all talked about different things mid-game. Like, you'd be doing something, and then suddenly a conversation would pop up. They'd be like, oh, right, Jahira and Ed Lees are talking, and they'd like have a little back and forth. And sometimes 
that would be different if you had another person in the party. So Chihiro and Edelise would have their back and forth, like they would have done on your first playthrough, but now, say, you've got Keldorn in the party who didn't have last playthrough, he actually interjects, and suddenly you get a bit more from that. Yeah, so, change of the dynamic. And it, I don't think Bioware have done that since. I think since all of their character interactions have been very scripted. You, and because, obviously, you're, you're railroaded into getting each character... But that's kind of the, a, a sign of the times, really, though, isn't it? Yeah. Every, everything is so heavily scripted. And again, like, try pe- and make something sort of look now, so... Like, I know Nick really likes Mass Effect, so it's I was like, actually going to throw that out there, people, yeah. people will say to me now, like, oh, well, you, you should like that game. And I'm like, but once you play Baldur's Gate, that's when you kind of realise, shit, these games aren't doing as much as this game did, you know, back in the day. And this, this was running on much older hardware... But because you had Black R working on it, mm. along with Bioware, you kind of have these two groups that work gelled well together and, and created this kind of alchemy where it all really worked. Whereas I found Bioware on their own, I don't know, it just, everything feels a bit empty. They, they try to add all this politics and shit. And it's just, I don't want that. My fantasy game is to escape from this kind of shit, not to get sucked back into it. And yeah, Baldur's Gate, fucking just an amazing game. It's fucking sad that it has to have to have been driven driven through the mud and dragged through the mud, and now has to be kind of tainted by all this shit that's going on around it. Mm. But for a game, like very often, it sits in my top ten games of all time, and I very often am tempted to remove it purely because of my loathing of Bioware and my loathing now with this, and I can't because it's just such a quality title mm-hmm. that to take it out would be wrong. Yeah, I love that game. It is. It's a game that if you if you have any love for RPGs whatsoever, you have to play it. I think you should give it a bash, Nick. I think you really yeah. should. Although, like I know you're not so into fantasy. I'll give it a bash. Um, I, mean, I like I I I like I love like Mass Effect and stuff. So I quite do. Yeah, I think you'll gain the same kind of enjoyment from them that you do from Mass Effect. But you'll find that there's more you can do. I think you'll feel less like you're being railroaded at points, and like you can go right. I don't have to go there now. I can go do this instead, and. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very more more much much more of an open ended experience, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right. So, so verdict time. Right, Baldur's Gate. I've played the console which style ones, like good you did, games. Yeah. but I played the Xbox versions, and I had a fucking ton of fun Wicked playing games. those. They um, were by um, by. I don't think Bioware had anything to do with them. I think they were by. Um, a different company, and I can't think who it is. But yeah, because they didn't have any of the story aspects. They did, but they were loose story aspects, weren't mm. they? In comparison to where Baldur's Gate, which is a very story-driven game, very heavy emphasis on role-playing and stuff, the, the Baldur's Gate games on the consoles were you get together with a mate and you have a gauntlet-esque experience yeah. where you go through different scenarios and you fight fucking shitloads of enemies, you get stronger and better yeah. and with a loose sort of story. Yeah. I know the first one had like an overarching story, whereas the second one had that sto- carried on that story but also had the little side stories for the different characters, mm. like the barbarian, because it was a barbarian, went and a lot of rogue, dwarf, um, yeah, and all these different sort yeah. of characters. And they were neat games, very cool games. The... Right, Baldur's the the PC games though, got them, but I didn't really play them. No, I didn't really play them. I did play Neverwinter Nights though. Ah, see, it's not one of yours, yeah, but yeah, Neverwinter Nights is nowhere near as good as Baldur's Gate. No, no, I hate Neverwinter Nights. I prefer Neverwinter. Really? Yeah. There's yeah. only one thing I like in Neverwinter: Tommy Undergallows. That's it. Hmm. 
He's only, he's only one of the party members I'd have with me. Although York was cool because he had Steve Blum's voice. But, um, yeah. To me, that was the start of... Because Neverwinter had the online play. Yeah, well, Neverwinter and online could, was good. And you could actually build... You could DM. Yeah. You could DM through that and game, which was that good. That was it. That was good, yeah. And I'll grant you that. Neverwinter's fucking campaigns are awful. But the mm. DM and, say, aspect of it was good. Mechanically, it was better than Baldur's Gate. Because, obviously, mm. Baldur's Gate well, yeah, was really fixed. Good. Yeah, had a good few years on it too. Well, yeah, and like the fighter class in Baldur's Gate was, uh, whereas the wizard was very open ended and you could unlock all these different spells. The fighter in Baldur's Gate was very linear. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you played it in Neverwinter, you could build it certain ways, so mm-hmm. it would be different depending on what you wanted. And you could end up as like a, if you were a dwarf, you could be like a dwarf shield master and all this mm-hmm. kind of shit, which was cool. Um, just the campaign wasn't very good. Um, which which is what sells me on Baldur's Gate. I'll tell you what made me love Baldur's Gate actually. The first my first memory of it because I played a demo of it. It was on a disc, and that fucking demo had a fucking virus on it. I remember that demo of time I played it, it fucked my computer up, and I realised later, oh yeah, apparently in one of the magazines, and they were like, oh yeah, the demo of Baldur's Gate has a virus or something on it, so don't install it. And so like, yes, good, like later Too down late. the line. <laughs> but um, my PC that was, was old, a cocker, wasn't it? Old clunky and shit anyway. I remember, so, I um, remember your box. Damn um, Like, I remember just playing it. You got, like, the opening bit where you talked to Gorion, who was, like, your adoptive father, who's, like, this wizard that takes you in. I'm like, oh, brilliant. Like, go into this tavern. And the first thing you get with this tavern is the tavern keeper, Wimfold, goes, my hotel's as clean as an elven ass." <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to fucking love this game. Like, I was a kid at the time. Like, this is brilliant. And you speak to him, and he tries to charge you like a thousand gold. And if you you had three choices, you could not be like, oh, I'm not paying you that. You'd just be like, ah, oh, you're a kid of Winthrop. And he'd just be like, ah, oh, I'm not really going to charge you a thousand gold. That's just a little joke I have. And then, like, as you're walking out, another guy goes in and he does the same joke. And the guy's like, oh, oh, here you are. And he's like, ah, oh, thank you very much. Like, <laughs> it fucking takes it off him. <laughs> but it's like little touches like that are what made it. It had such character. Like, I'm going to give Baldur's Gate straight out. Yeah, just well. thumbs up. Um, yeah, I have to say that Baldur's Gate is a win. The the spin-offs were good. Um, I enjoyed Neverwinter as well, and because they they tie into the same universe. Yeah, it's all Forgotten Realms and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, so from that point on, to me, that was just like. Ugh. I mean, yeah. uh, like number two had a, a plot twist or spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. One thing I really liked in number two is they released an expansion, and in the expansion, you met up with Seravok's spirit, the, 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 the evil guy from the first one, who was your brother, and if you wanted to, you could have him join you, and if you were evil, he got more evil, and if you were good, you could actually turn him good, and mm-hmm. I fucking loved that, I was like, that's really cool, you can redeem Seravok and get him on your side, have him fighting back to back with Minsk, just fucking brilliant, because I played a wizard, it kind of felt like Dragonlance to me, because mm. my character was, but reversed, because my character was kind of a, a, a chaotic good wizard, and then my brother was an evil warrior. And then, so you get them together and suddenly you're like a force to be reckoned with. So you've got your brother can flank you and fight stuff or you're blasting shit from the distance. You should probably live stream it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind playing through it again. I currently, I'm having a bit of trouble with it. I'm, it runs in a tiny screen on my, uh, no matter what I set it to. Okay, so I'll, I'll look into that. maybe some fix that. But um, that. For some reason, it makes my fan go crazy as well. Does it, it did it on my old my other computer that I had before this new one as well mm-hmm. even though it's an old as fuck game the PC's like, oh fucking hell like overclock but that, that, the, the trick is though you're playing a really really fucking yeah. old game and that's the one thing that PC's really suck, suck for it, yeah it's got like oh look it's a game it should in theory run on this machine yeah no but yeah no, I, oh, my love for this game is too much all the, to- all the things that have been held against my memory of this game 
by fucking Bioware and by people putting politics into games and other stupid shit that I don't give a fuck about. And it's just like, you can't kill it. Can't kill my love for that game. It's just too good a game. Good. Congratulations on the past there. Yeah. I'd probably say, though, if it wasn't for the game that you hate so much, never want to know it, you probably want to go past on that one. No. That or, um, the, was it was it Deadly Alliance? The console games? Dark Alliance. Dark Alliance, whatever it was. I think if you the, play the, through the plot of Baldsgate, you'd like it more. Oh, probably. But like I said, I'd, I'd never actually sat down and given it, you sunk my teeth into it. it. Yeah, it's a um, game you really sink your teeth into. Now, I was actually trying at once upon once upon a time to actually get that to run on a Raspberry Pi because they were working on getting it to run on a Raspberry Pi. So oh, I was going to do awesome. that. Awesome, yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, I like it. It's one of them games where you can play as an evil pie as well, if you like, and you can do it really well. Mm-hmm. If you want to be an evil pie, you can be evil fuckers. I really love the console games. Though. That was a game that I played for Chalky. It was just a random one we picked up. Fucking I love it. Number two, hilarious. especially. Hilarious. Do you, do you ever see the TV spots for them? Not sure. Oh, they're, they're on YouTube. I'll find you one. There's one with the dwarf, where they're basically like, dwarf gets a conundrum. Yeah, it's like... Uh, Yeah, he comes into a dungeon and he's got a choice. There's a big old pile of gold and a girl hanging up. So oh, he's only got time to save one. Those. The girl's really pretty and she'd be very thankful, but my how does gold coins shine? And he just picks up two <laughs> chests and walks out with them on his shoulders and leaves at a burn. It's like, Fucking oops. brilliant. Yeah, I've, I've seen those. I have seen those. Classic. Right, so right, so next, right. next game. Yes. So bars on two, I'm on one so far, so I need to pull this round. So... The game that Bard didn't think existed. My next game is Rainbow Six Raven Shield. And the reason I've picked Rainbow Six Raven Shield is to me, it's the, the, of all the three Rainbow Six, the proper Rainbow Sixes, mm-hmm. it's probably the one to me that sort of the fire was probably the best. Which of the number was Raven Shield in like the third one? It's the third, third game. Because yeah. I, I didn't play out. that one. I yes. played the first one and I played the second one, but not the third one. Uh, Rainbow Six. I was the first one out of us, to get it. Yeah. Rainbow Six was, was it? It was different, though, wasn't it? To the Rainbow Six Three that came out on Xbox. Oh yeah, let's forget about this. Let's delete consoles from the mix. Okay, yeah. we're talking about the PC. I had the console version as well. The console the version network, but why? It was quite fun. Yeah. Fucking ace, mate. Uh, so, do you buy a terrorist time? Yeah. <laughs> Rainbow Six uh, holds a very special place in my heart. It's one of my other games I bought very early on. Um, the reason I put Rainbow Six Three in there because it's, like, it's a bare one of the lot, and also is a subside. I think Rainbow be. Six to you is like Baldur's Gate is to me. We've yeah. got that mm-hmm. same kind of. Yes, yeah, I love the series. I love until recently. Um, <laughs> And it has a Facebook place. I was so See, obsessed I, with our memories have been killed by new things. Yeah. It's not fair. <laughs> I was so obsessed with Rainbow Six. I mean, I, I bought the first from Six. I loved it so much, but my PC couldn't handle it. So I had to run my PC, and I think it was run out of like 240 by 320. <laughs> I did the same thing you did when I first played it as well. I couldn't run it, and it was running at about four frames per second. I still managed to get to about level 12, I think. And that because was, it's easier, because nothing can hit you. No, time. it wasn't easier because no. if you saw a terrorist and you clicked the mouse button, it was about four or five frames before you actually fired your gun. Huh? And because you only wanted, so it was, it was bloody hard. It was really you, you raced with those in the IA to do it for you. Um, but it was just 
It was a game that I never played before. Uh, when I played the first one... I remember being very impressed when I first played it. Although it wasn't my type of game, mm. I appreciated the technical aspects of the game. And we're like, this is a yeah. fucking cool game. So many people tune it. me up for saying, oh, it's not my kind of game. So, well, it isn't. It's not the kind yeah. of game that's normally your groove. And Rainbow Six admittedly wasn't one of the kind of games. It was not for me. my kind but of game at all, but I fucking well appreciate it. Because I remember playing it and being it was really a impressed with it. Like I said earlier about um, Ghost Recon and that, it was a laugh with the right people. Yeah. Well, what I think made different though is that, that was, I think it's probably one of the first proper full realistic military games out there. Mm. Um, you are a squad of counter-terrorists. Um, you're formed in the UK mm. by um, John Clark, um, based on the Rainbow Six book. Well, I've Sorry, got, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a particularly humorous colleague called John Clark, so it's, uh, that's just a sure <laughs> um, Interestingly, the book was written after the game. All right. The book was everybody's seen the game for instance, but it's actually the other way round. Yeah, old Tom Clancy being yeah. for his books. Yeah, it was Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, and you play the team Rainbow Six. That's your cover name. I like how they sound more like a group of Power Rangers. They do. So, Rainbow, <laughs> Rainbow Six, Six form up. <laughs> <laughs> and your and it starts off again. It's one of those games. The first few missions just sort of seem random, but actually it's all brought together. So first one's about a group of bio uh, bioterrorists who are going to try and wipe out the whole world of Ebola. Um, the second one's about a Russian called Rogue Spear. About I don't know why Bola's funny, it just is. Uh, the second one's about a Russian military general who tries to get hold of a nuclear missile and hold the world's ransom. And the third one is about a group of neo-Nazis um, trying to use... Uh, what are they doing? They're throwing cans at no, the Jewish kid in the street. <laughs> <laughs> they want to spread a virus and kill loads of people. Oh. They're a nice bunch. Um, the game was always based heavily on realism. You know, one bullet, one kill, pretty much. Unless you were wearing heavy arm, and even then it wasn't a dead cert, you would survive. Um, it, was just, it, it was incredible what it did to me. It rewired my brain as a child. It did. Because whenever <laughs> I was... Military simulators and link into like this. <laughs> whenever I walked into any public building, my first thought was, how would I storm it? Yeah, you've, you've told this Breach. before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was still thinking, hmm, I think, yeah, I'll have count one team going through there, and I'd have to hold them at this room, because there's too many entrances, and I'd have to Open, frag, and clear. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Do you know the um, funny thing about that is, yeah. every other Rainbow Six player I've spoken to says the exact same thing. That they, I'm just so they used look, to play it, man. There's a guy I drink in the triangle with who plays Rainbow Six, and he's fucking always going about how he'd siege the triangle <laughs> like, has he not figured out by now he's had enough years to no it's oh. just every time he gets pissed he tells me about it again so it's like <laughs> thanks mate <laughs> that's it is I said, and then you can counter him because you know he's playing solid. And you're like, well, I do this. We're, we're in a pub. You ain't gonna find a terrorist in here, mate. So <laughs> everyone's too happy. Scared off by the alcohol. Me never know. Depends on the terrorist. It does depend on the terrorist. Yeah. Um, I said, you want to break something? She said, mm. it was incredible. The the real the fact that the guns were all realistic and is and the noise they made it it just felt beautiful. And, you had a team view and you could order and they would follow. The team was stupid as anything. They had no idea what they were doing. I mean... You old used, school AI. I used, oh, the AI, the first one was absolutely true. I played it relatively recently, actually, the first one. And the AI was atrocious. That is useful I, 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 wet I forgot <laughs> you had to do... I forgot, I used to call it dancing to get the AI... Because basically your team would follow you in a line. They'd follow you in a set order. They wouldn't like just form up in a line. So if, say, for example, guy number two got stuck somewhere Clipping. guy number three and four would run around in circles trying oh, to figure God. out they did they used to run around in circles so you'd have to sort of, you'd find yourself in the middle you find yourself in the middle of a mission you could do that or you find yourself in the middle of a mission like a room so they spoke that the air was shit they insisted on making some of the rooms very cramped 
you find yourself in a room stuck, you also just sort of like sort of nudging people in the right direction so you can sort of get them to form back into a line again. In the middle of this tense hostage battle, you're trying to sort of like get your team to form a line. Hold on, hold on. Right, you, you Come know, on, mate! No, 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 not you. No, no, not you yet. You, he comes first. Come on! Don't shoot him yet. Uh, Come on, guys! For fuck's sake! And occasionally they do things like they'd see a terrorist, look at it, and just say, oh, "That's interesting," and then get shot. Yeah. Oh, mate! What's up with that guy with the flaky hat? But Bing, I think one of the strangest <laughs> things about Rainbow Six actually, Rainbow Six had fantastic stealth, <coughs> stealth levels. There were levels in the game where you had to like sort of break into offices and plant bugs, All right. and so forth. But you mustn't, could not, if as soon as you were sin, mission was over. Because obviously, realistically, in the real world, if you were sin, they'd know you were up to something. So, you... So no go and die hard on it. No, it wasn't, it was <laughs> definitely not. So there was um, the first time, okay. the, the first mission they give you, you just saw break someone's mansion. And you saw break in and go for corners and think, oh, that's, that's easy. The next mission, you put in your bloody skyscraper. And you have to Nakatobi break Plaza. Yeah, see so there you go. You have to break your way through the skyscraper, hack the CC code so they don't know you're there, then go plant bugs and avoid the guards. And there's other missions like you learn up flight simulator and crash a plane into it. Clearly, that's the only way you're going to win. You're meant to spy on them. Yeah, you can do that after <laughs> fucking after fucking yeah. wasting the building. No. You can see him for 0.5 seconds. He's going to win the crash. Yeah. No, no, you, you don't have to be in the plane. Just seriously, and you're like, oh look, they're fucking out. Oh look, they're gone. Problem solved. Nice. Yeah, Moving on. Yeah, it wasn't quite what we, how they wanted to do. Oh, and you said right, oh, yeah, no, no, the terrorists are in the plane, not in the building. Right? Yeah, no, I get it. Now. Oops. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, you can. At one point, you have to form. You do a roadblock mission where you have to actually set a roadblock and ambush a, a, a convoy of cars as they're coming round. Right. Awesome game. And then you capture someone. You ca- the thing is that the AI is brilliant because. But they, basically, there's a woman you had to capture from this car blockade. She was a bad, she was just more on the terrorist side. But as soon as she got out of the car, she defaulted to hostage AI. So she'd follow you around with no problems. <laughs> and she sort of like, you know, it was a hilarious <laughs> game. Um, you're such a badass, you're going to follow me without and question. I still think, as fact, uh, Rainbow Six Rogue Spear had the best flashbang effect I've ever played in a game. So most games when you have a flashbang, you're between your whites for a second, that's it really. You may as well get a little bit of a wine. In Rainbow Six Rogue Spear, when the flashbang went off, it was like a, a sort of sound this massive loud pair of like gong, like two cymbals smacking together. Your ears be ringing. And you get like this after image and your screens will gradually fade back in. But like, you could say I like too long. Even though they did in the console. Payday 2 does that. This is where it's spear. Yeah, Payday 2 does that. Yeah. Believe it or not, Payday 2's flashbang effect is actually quite good. Yeah, it's, it's, and it takes you a good few seconds to sort of cover. And I just remember playing, playing this game. I actually get mad when I get flashbanged in that game. Fucking and then off. they <laughs> put in, Rogue Spear had come across the best mode ever in a game Terrorist Hunt. Mm hmm. Awesome mode, literally. You are building for the franchise. Yes, it is, but they shoot you back. <laughs> and you can shoot them. And you're through a 35 terrorist and you have to break your way in and take them all out. That was and the only was... thing I liked about Rainbow Six on PC. Terrorist Hunt. I couldn't terrorist play anything awesome. else. Everything else about that game was fucking awful. We know which way this is going to go then, don't we? <laughs> anyway, I, I just. And then we've also had Raven, Raven Shield. And that's basically where, because the first few weapons had no first person guns. When you had like, if you had a scope attached, you just zoom the screen in. Where you actually gave you guns and the proper scopes, 
and you could modify the weapons a lot more. Whereas in the first one, you couldn't modify weapons, you could add attachments to all the weapons. Yeah. So I like the I'm using the British LA three five one, I think it's called. Um, based on the British or infantry rifle because it came with a scope, scope built in so you right. can then add a silencer to it and make a really useful little weapon and that's why I'm useful for pretty much everything because <laughs> it's such an awesome gun um, it's just a phenomenal game and it is why it's like, like MechWarrior like sort of probably it's sort of in the, those sort of games that define I remember most of my childhood and Rainbow Six is one of them and Rainbow Six is the game I still go to play today on a fairly frequent basis, just so it's, and it's well, either Rogue Sphere or Rage, or even the first one I play still every few months. And there yeah. aren't many games I do that mm-hmm. very few actually. And I just do it for a little quick blast, a little blast of fun. So, yeah. awesome game, very cool games. But like you say, they have a lot of replayability based on the style of game they are as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, we know this is going to go, because I think it's already indicated where this is going to go. <laughs> what do you think? Well, given you said, I hate the PC version, I'm not the terrorist hunt mode about it, I'm pretty sure I know where this is going to go. You're probably wrong, then. <laughs> I'd actually give you a... I'd say, yeah. Yes! Good choice. Because, again, those were games that I... I hated... Um, uh, Ghost Recon. Absolutely fucking I like hated Recon, Ghost Recon. I hated Rainbow Six. And the guy that really loved them in our class, I fucking ripped the piss out of him to no end because of how much he loved them games. But when I was playing them online with my mates, they were fucking hilarious. Rainbow Six was the first multiplayer game online I've ever played. Mine was... Either Duke 3D or Doom. Yeah, I played it. I remember, and I always played just Terrace Hunts, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just saw, I was Rogue Spear, and just got a lobby, eight people, and you have a little chat, and then you go and do Terrace Hunt. I did try one adversarial game, I'll kick from the server because I shot the um, host. For <laughs> well, we, sucker, son! Yeah, well, we come, we went in a long cold, and he thought he was the best player in the. In the in the, in, the, on the, in the server and we walked in the He probably job. was until you went to America on <laughs> No, no, he was, he was on the opposing team. We I'm cold. I remember I shot him in the head with a Desert Eagle and he didn't kick me from the server. Wow. Well, shit loser then. Yeah. Very yeah. shit loser, yeah. They were, you know, it was a fun game. They were fun games. Although I do, I must admit I did prefer the... Uh, the consoles, the consoles unfortunately, is what ruined Rainbow Six. Because the first Rainbow Six on the console, they tried to copy the main game, but they couldn't. Yeah, but I hated the main game. The main campaign where you were planning your way through the fucking thing. Well, the, I first, hate- one, the first one on the console was ridiculous. Rainbow, the original Rainbow Six, the, the single player mode, was absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. Because Just randomly, did you play SWAT? Yes. I that was sort of similar, but top down. Like, rather than- Unless you get SWAT 4, which is first, yeah. which is first, which is first person. Did you like those games? Yeah, I did enjoy it. Yeah, that. I remember liking SWAT. Yeah. Um, SWAT actually appealed to me more than Rainbow Six purely because of like the, the third person aspect. Yeah. Like, I, I, like like both of them, obviously, but SWAT was easier for me to get my head around yeah. because of the fact that it was top down. Yeah. But yeah, cool on game. the consoles, Rainbow Six was just. The first one was completely round. The second one was actually very close. The second one they put on the console was actually really close to the PC version. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was just back towards the arcade. And then, of course, they basically went completely. So okay, what, what, what was wrong with the third one? Uh, g- give me some actual examples as to what was wrong with it. Because I played, I own, I like the fact I own that, two yeah. copies of the PC version, the Mac version of it. 
Because that's the one that it's you played. It's been a while since I played it. And um, I was playing the console it's version. Been a while, it's been a while since I played the console version. The lack of a planning phase annoyed me. Fucking loved it because the campaign was shit. <laughs> I, the lack of planning phase annoyed me because it just, that, to me, the planning phase, it, to mm. me, Rainbow Six was more of a puzzle game than a yeah, shooter. Yeah, no, it was a shooter. And it was, okay. Yeah, classic Rainbow Six, I can see that here, because that's why I like SWAT as well. It's, 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 it's about how do I assault this building in such a way that I minimise my casualties, I mm -hmm. get the target done, I get it done efficiently, and I mm -hmm. don't I don't leave any gaps where terrorists can lose. Because that wasn't the only reason for Rainbow Six, that you could win just by rescuing hostages. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later on they put the, got a goal of neutralise all terrorists, because they suddenly realised that you go and take hostages out and just leave the building for the terrorists. Enjoy it. That's the point I then call a mating with the helicopters that got a bomber. <laughs> yeah. um, so they add that those. That's when we said with John McLean. Yeah, yeah, those mission <laughs> objections in or John, um, John, John Clark. Uh, so, <laughs> that's what calling John Clark. He drives them all mad. But that's what I like about it. I don't just get pissed off of it. And when you get a plan, when you get a plan that works, when you've made a plan up that when you execute it, your team all gets in, they all survive, all just get, and you complete the live in about a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. That's the best feeling in the world. You it's might like, want to I successfully made this work on brilliant. Steam at the minute. Look, called Door Kickers. It's really popular. Apparently, it is a tablet game initially, but it is more like SWAT than Rainbow Six. But it will give you that that basic idea of yeah. puzzle, uh, get in, get out, kill everyone, make sure you do it well. Um, it's kind of similar to Frozen Synapse. That oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that's what I love Rainbow So Six. basically, the loss of the planning phase is what fucking turned it into an arcade game, even though yeah. mechanically it was practically the same, other than that one Well, bit. it was a lot more linear. It wasn't more linear. The buildings in the frame were like an actual building. They were an actual building, and it log they were logically laid out. In fact, the second one, they, they talked to architects to help make sure the buildings were designed how it would be actually designed. Mm -hmm. They were laid out logically, so when you were sold, you had to they sort it. They took to burn to make sure the buildings looked nice. <laughs> you well, I think sure. the drapes would look nice. Yeah. <laughs> the, spl the splatter of crimson blood on those drapes would get perfect. <laughs> yeah, so that's what made it, it felt real by mm. doing that. And then when you took that away, it just felt like a bunch of yahoos running to a building, which is like, this is not very sort of military. Yeah, but that I didn't care for that. I cared for the but, shooting mechanics, not yeah. the fucking planning phase. So that's what I preferred. Because the trick was with the console version as well. But with, what I'd argue is there's lots of games out there that yeah, do yeah. Have, they have the shooting mechanics. Let us have this game we want. There's, let's for the people yeah, who like I'm that. Totally let us that. have that. You've got thousands. Oh, well, not thousands, but hundreds of well, games out there. Well, you do now. I don't know. It's quite a lot. That was games, the Xbox so period. Just, so yeah. Rainbow Six Three you would have done because that was when you sort of like started to get Halo. And um, you had, yeah, 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 but Halo, Halo had, I had a fucking shield. Yeah. I didn't need a shield. I wouldn't mind taking a bullet to the head and going down like a sack of fucking I know shit. Other ones. I know some ones I quite liked on there. On the old Xbox. Of course, then you get members of Vegas where you have regenerating health. That's when it goes the wrong way. Yeah. That's when I'd say I to you, that's wrong. Yeah. When you when you start giving characters regenerating health, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, but. Still. I think that's I think that's it's okay you like sort of game fine but there are other games that you could play instead that exit but let us have this game that's like mm. saying well some people didn't like some people don't like you know the way Tetris works let's change it to Pac-Man okay it's so just, I've <laughs> given your game a thumbs up I'm gonna take that away if you keep going all right because I've told you there's one thing about the game I don't like 
You're rabbiting on about the fucking 30 minutes you spent planning the mission out that bored yeah. the living tit out of me. Is likely going to get that thing tanked, binned, burnt, and never spoken of I've again. I've already got the thumbs up, that's all I need. <laughs> I don't know, you can't take that wave away from me. Oh, I can. There you go. <laughs> I'll find a way. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's just it. Like, I'm not saying the planning phases were bad, but I wasn't a fan of the first two games either. No. Because I just wanted to get in there and play the game with my mates. So, case, if you were to say to us, lot, back in the days of fucking 56k, because most of us, lot, didn't have broadband at the time, to say, yeah, we're going to spend fucking 30 minutes planning this shit out. In yeah, a lot of the games, one, yeah, they didn't have the fucking planning phases in full anyway. Yeah. So, it didn't matter. That's what I'm saying. I didn't like the campaigns its, in those games were to crap. Its, to its credit, to its credit, if mm. you didn't enjoy that part of the game, they That's why I never played them. That's did, why I did Terrorist Hunter. If you enjoy that part of the game, in all the games, all the planning phases did have a load plan button and they had a default planner which would work. Yeah. So you could just load and just play it straight away. Yeah. So to its credit, if you didn't like the planning phase, you could just load the default planner and off you go. So you could get around that. If you, if you want to go straight into shooting, you could do but that. But to insta-slam it because of lack of a planning phase. Just, well, the console version is instantly... I get that, but the fact that you instantly said that the console version... You were like, no, no, we don't talk about that. Just because it I'll lost the later. Oh, I'll refer to the later version. Oh, yeah, but we're talking, we're talking Xbox 360, I, I, not... The console version never quite captured it as much as the... Yeah, it was what missing what, the what one thing that What you're sort of trying to say, it. really, is it's just they're just different games. Yeah. Uh, they, they have the same core, like the, or they target a similar demographic, but different areas of that demographic. Yeah. It's like military shooters, that's your demographic. Tactical military shooters, that's your... PC Rainbow Six demographic, yeah. whereas arcade military shooters would. Rank I in wouldn't a... even go in close to saying arcade fucking shooter for Rainbow Six Three. If it was an arcade it shooter, I could have. An arcade shooter, it, it requires obviously like it was more tactical than say like Halo, for example. Mm. Well, there was like, nothing fucking tactical about Halo. No, nothing at all. Because I remember playing Rainbow Six Journey on Xbox. It was the first time I played a game with a headset. Like, but that was the that was the other thing I liked. You all got in, and you were communicating with each other. Yeah. To fig- to make up the plan, you didn't sit there going like, "Yep, here's the fucking plan of the building." Didn't have and like, if you didn't have a headset, it had a you could use system the, um, the, which would uh, give you like yeah, commands. Well, shit, the game yeah. came with a headset. If you bought the console version. Right, yeah, I remember. I just remember that there were versions. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah they really screw if you missed your headset. I didn't have a headset because I copied the co- off my mate's disc. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, when we played it, I remember that I gave or oh, did commands with a different thing, like a button system. Yeah, you, you could do because you, um, you were also given the option to, if you did play through the single player campaign, you could actually command your teammates with the microphone. Mm. So, you could actually issue the commands open, frag, and clear. And. You know, depending on how well it actually picked up your voice. I mean, it was literally a microphone, you know, like this, attached to a little cheapy headset. Yeah. yeah. Um, fucking, I thought it was really good. The fact that I actually got to communicate with my mates and work out a plan, which is how we played all these other online shooters yeah. anyway. You know, yeah. we weren't sat there with a fucking blueprint over dial-up. To be fair, it wasn't none of us you ever had that blueprint made. And to be fair, the multiplayer modes in the first one weren't generally like that. So you really only have this like terror set mode. But that's all we did. That's, that's all we fine. Played. That's fine. That's that's fair enough. Okay, that's fair enough. What I'm saying, all I'm saying is that's what. Yeah. Felt like that was the point. Of the game was the, that's the main. It's you're missing out a big part of the game, in my opinion, if you do that. Yeah. 
I wasn't into that part of the game at all. Yeah. Fact. Sad. Right. I feel like I've disappeared out of frame completely. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, God, I better push the chair back in a bit more. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to explain why I couldn't play those bits, but then single player wise, without my mates being there, I found Rainbow Six to be boring as fuck. I actually adored it. Yeah, was, it wasn't my kind of game. There either. was no. The story didn't grab me at all either. Nothing, no, nothing about it. Oh, the story was low like, tosh. Well, there you go. That, that was the story, it. mate. I mean, I, I didn't pay attention, so I just loved the. I, to me, it was the thrill of I've done it right. I've yeah, got you got this, you had that kind of like the little kind of rush where you've come it's up with a plan and work. it worked. It's all come to plan. But for me, it was more. Uh, I'm here with Half my mates. The, the, the game. Our team was good enough to get through this with zero casualties. Yeah. Half time, I used to play the games. Often, I used to play a game with. Um, you had a mode where you could actually tell it to be observer mode, where you didn't actually do the same plan. And half time, you just put the observer mode on mm-hmm. and just let the team carry on, just watch the AI carry it out, and then I could see where the plan went wrong, went back and treat it and treat it and treat it until I got it perfect. So, right, bars. Might, this will be my last game on the list because obviously Thief 2 was my uh, my second game, but we've already covered that with Thief. Yeah. So, um, I shall jump in straight with my last game from early 2000. And this is from 2004, so it kind of got allowed in, so we were going to go to 2003, but I was like, I really fucking like this game, so yeah. I want to extend it to put this in. And uh, that is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. It's also on Xbox. Um, what? It was also on Xbox. Bloodlines wasn't? Vampire the Masquerade was on Xbox. Blood, that's a PC only game, both of them. Yeah, oh, fair uh, Redemption and, and uh, Bloodlines. But the reason why is it might mm. well have been intended to come out on Xbox, but EA, I believe, what once again, never. I think it was EA, because Troika made the game, but they were never allowed to finish it. So the game released unfinished, Yeah. Um, and it was broken. Like You could play it, but it would crash a lot, and it had lots of bugs and shit in it. But Didn't Gruden eventually get together? Like, yeah, a dude, a, called, f- a dude called Wesp put together a patch. But the, didn't the developers have to do the, themselves do their own I think they might have done. And it restores... Oh, Windows only, so what the fuck am I thinking of? <laughs> so I don't around, know. Around, around. What the fuck I've played it. I'm sure I've played it on console. <laughs> I can see why you might think that, because it kind of was a precursor to games, although obviously the, the more of a precursor to these games would be Morrowind, which Vampire was very different to. But it was more of a precursor to those games like Fallout 3. I was going to say, I totally remember. And that kind of thing. Yeah. Are you thinking oh, the picture on the cover, though, reminds me really badly of Hunter the Reckon and Redemption, the second Hunter game? I don't know if I played much of Redemption, this, but I do remember playing Hunter the Reckon. It was set in the yeah. same universe. Yeah. Because the Hunter, yeah, was. you've got Hunter, Vampire, Mage and Werewolf, which were the four pen and paper that, games yeah. that they were all based on. But Bloodlines, basically, the, the idea behind Bloodlines was... Um, it, was it not a first person? It was. It was first person. It kind of played almost like Fallout 3 does, but way more in depth. Um, and unlike Fallout, which was a big open world, Bloodlines was a series of hub worlds. Mm. So it was open world, but it wasn't um, a contiguous open world. It was separated by loading screens and, and hub yeah. systems. You had like four or five different areas you could go to. And basically what you were is you were a, 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 an awakened vampire in this world where vampires have rules, which is called the Masquerade. There's a set of vampires called the Camarilla, because um, it's all based on the pen and paper vampire games. And, and what the Camarilla is, is basically a society that keeps vampires safe. 
So they they work under the cover of human society. They almost uh, kind of even push the myth of the vampire to kind of hide in plain sight almost. Yeah. Um, and what they do is is they'll uh, the, the Camarilla is is a society for for making sure that vampires can continue to thrive in the background. Um, you unfortunately were the result of a um, a vampire that was a bit reckless, and because you you can you, what what vampires can do is they can sire children, and what 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 that basically is is turning a human, it's turning a human into a vampire, and uh, your sire obviously changed you without permission from permission the, to yeah. do it. Yeah, from from the government. So you get called in, your side gets killed, but it will be a, a different side depending on the class you're playing. Um, and then you're sort of kind of given um, a pass. Like, they're going to kill you. Like, the, 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 the leader is all sort of like, I'm thinking maybe we should talk about it. But one of the other vampires speaks up for you, like uh, one from a, a group called the Annex. Which are part of the Camarilla, but also at the same time kind of uh, a bit rival to them because they're more um, obviously wanting more freedom and wanting to do their own thing as well as kind of keep the society safe and underground. Um, and so there's a bit of contention between them, and the prince who rules over this particular city decides, right, okay, we'll let you live, but in exchange for me allowing you to live, you're going to do a few things for me. Like, I'm going to put you to work as an errand boy kind of thing. Like, okay. So you pick what you want to be at the beginning. You can pick between about six or seven different class, like type of vampire. So you've got the Gangrel, which are basically kind of close to werewolves, except they change into giant bat creatures, um, and they they're closer to That's nature. That's why I play. That's when I am. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you've got the Gangrel. You've got the Tremere, which are like vampire mages. So use blood magic. So they're they're kind of your mage class. You've got and your player character actually changes depending on which one you pick. Yeah, you? they look completely different. You've got the top... Oh, the guy with dreadlocks. And yeah, that's the Gangrel male. Yeah, because you can pick a male or a female as well, depending. I like his last outfit, actually, because the armour changes throughout the game. His last one is like a hoodie with a denim jacket over the top that makes him look proper tough. Um, but then, like, uh, what was the other one? You've got the, the Toreador, and they're kind of like the Anne Royce vampires. They are smooth, suave pretty looking talky vampires that seduce people um, then you've got the um, Nosferatu and they're basically ugly they're really deformed and they're weird proper looking. sort of like early vampires or... yeah like Nosferatu but uh, the, the vampire in the, in the film but um, the interesting thing about Nosferatu is they can completely change how you play the game because you've got an appearance level of naught if people see you they'll run from you and they'll panic you can't really even talk to anyone so you have to traverse the city by using the sewer system. So you, the game becomes a stealth game. Completely plays completely differently. Um, which is awesome. Uh, what were the other ones? And you've got like the... Uh, the Bruja, which is a big, tough, heavy hitter. And the Bruja? Vampire, <laughs> the Bruja. Um, I'm saving the best one for last. Oh, and you can remember what it is. Yeah, I can remember what it is because um, it's one I really like playing as. I can't remember what what the other ones were, but then the last one was the Malkavian. The Malkavian also completely changes up the game because the Malkavian are all insane. Their their bloodline basically is completely mad. Uh, but as well as being completely mad, they're all seers, so they can all sort of see into the future. But they speak in riddles and they come out with random stuff. 
So, like, as, as the guy in the trailer says, which is one of the characters you meet in the game, learning to sort the wisdom from the bullshit is a hard lot. You can never really tell what that. And it's cool, because when you play through as one of them, you interact with the game in a weird way. Like, when you talk to people, because the game is a role-playing game, essentially, when yeah. you're talking to people, all the other characters have straight sort of dialogue choices. The Malkavians ones are all a bit weird. They're all a bit out there, and they come out with strange things, and they confuse people. And, I mean, look, there's one where there's a woman that sees you later on in the game who knows you from your past life any of the other classes have a bit of a hard time trying to convince her you don't know who I am you know you've never seen me before I don't know you because you don't want to break the masquerade you want to make sure that she doesn't know that you're a vampire <laughs> if you're <laughs> don't mind me ignore my team if you're a Malkavian you can use dementation on her to convince her that you're her pet turtle that she flushed down the toilet <laughs> when she was a child. And it's like, that's how the, like, the Malkavian will come and there's a stop sign in one of the areas. Any other character walk past it. The Malkavian sees the stop thing and instigates conversation option. You can know, you stop. No, I don't want to stop. I want to keep going. Stop telling me to stop and have like an argument with this sign. And there was a point where you could turn the telly on uh, in your apartment and you get a news reporter who would come on the telly and say certain things, and if you were the Malkavian, you could interact with him. You could have a discussion with the television, which was brilliant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the game played out in first person. You could fight melee, you could fight with guns. It all depended on how you leveled your character. Again, it worked on like a pen and paper AD&D system, so it was all dice rolls in the background kind of thing while you're attacking and fighting and stuff. But but it also had a bit of real sort of time action going on at the same time. Um, it was a brilliant game. The atmosphere was something else. Like it was very noir-like. It had um, a fucking awesome soundtrack. The characters were interesting. I mean, the first guy you meet is a guy called Smiling Jack, who's basically a pirate. He used to be a pirate, and now he's a biker. And he's like this age-old vampire that loves playing tricks on the bigger vampires. And I think it actually turns out that a big part of your quest. It's just him fucking with the big guy and he's basically sent you... He's basically known that you're going to be sired and kind of almost manipulated them into sending them you on this little errand so he can fuck with them, like, just mess with them. And you bump into all these other different type of vampires and different types of creatures of the night as you're playing through. Some of them you fight, some of them you talk to. Depending on what your character type is, you might be able to solve things in a different way. Like an Osferatu might be able to sneak by. Um... A Malkavian might be able to do some loony thing to make the situation go awry. Um, a Toreador would be able to speak their way out of the situation or charm their way out. Uh, like a Bruja would just straight up fight their way out. And yeah, it was depending on what class you played and what you want to do with your character, you could solve different parts of the game in different ways. Um, and it, that kind of appealed to me in the same way Baldur's Gate does, like that you can... There's all these different ways of going through this, this kind of open-ended story. Um, I loved it. I remember being really sucked in by it. The trailer was what sold me on it, like because it had a trailer that introduced you to the clans. It had all this sort of uh, kind of almost goth music playing and this really noiry atmosphere, and just everything about it was very different. You didn't have many games that were like that, that were that clever. Normally, if you had a game that tried to be a bit edgy, it was normally kind of... a uh, a shooty game or a, a, um, an action game mm. whereas you had this game that was actually being very subtly clever with it and, and having this kind of dark undertone yeah I don't know just something about that game 
made me have to put it in, even though it came a year sort of later. I was like, no, I have to put Vampire in because it's just one of those games that I don't know. Again, it's a jo- it's a generation definer. Hmm. Even, the- even if you just said I had it come out in two thousand four and your cutoff was two thousand three or whatever, I'd have said put it in anyway yeah. because to me. Uh, my transition back from PC gaming was 2004. All right. So. That's interesting. Look, there's one place in the game that um, people often talk about, which is the... Um, oh, what was it? The the hotel. Did you ever get to Hotel Nick? Uh, it's comparable to the Shelbridge Cradle from Thief. Uh, it's no, a no, creepy no, no. place where nothing can really do you any harm, but because of the setting that lays out, it's kind of eerie. And I quite like that. It was quite atmospheric. It's a bit where you walk down the corridor and a girl runs past you screaming. You go, what? And you look around the corner and there's nothing there. <laughs> like, just, yeah, little little touches like that, which kind of made it stand out. And I like the fact... There's a spider in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> or a dinosaur. And I like, the, I like the fact <laughs> that you then... Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you round the corner and there's a fucking velociraptor there. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> it's like yeah. it's just a prop. Yeah, <laughs> fucking brilliant. But it had loads of cool stuff like that though. You didn't know what you were going to find because although you were you, and this is another cool thing about it. You're this fucking hard ass vampire. It's got all these new abilities and you're really powerful. But there's still scary shit in the world that will fuck you up. Like there's a werewolf at one point and you can't kill it because werewolves are like a thousand times stronger than vampires. And uh, when this Twilight mother lied to us, huh? Twilight lied to it us. It <laughs> When this motherfucker comes after you, you have to try and trick it to trap it in the door. So the only way you can stop it, you just have to get away from it. You can't fight it. You just got to avoid it and try and get out. No, um, <laughs> yeah, not going to open the door. <laughs> trap the werewolves in the doors. But yeah, and then you just come, like a a, and you come across it. like. <laughs> Other weird types of vampires. Oh, child of the tower. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was like, a, as well as a Camarilla, there was a sect that was working against the Camarilla, like an evil group of vampires. I think they're called the Sabat, and they were made up of other different smaller sects of vampires that were all different. So like you had ones called the Samisi, which were flesh crafters, and they were weird motherfuckers, and you had to fight one of them as a boss. Um, yeah, so you, you go to all these different scenarios, come across all these different creatures. There's a point where there's a big, massive stone gargoyle that you could fight. But if you were really clever, you could talk him round, helping you out with something. So, yeah, again, it's just like problem solving in different ways. Um, yeah, it's a, just a fantastic game. Manages One of the few games, I think, that manages to combine first-person and role-playing really well. I know everybody sings Fallout's praises, but Fallout never did it as good as this did. Vampire just the way it set itself out, the amount of the way that your abilities affected your combat just really set it apart in my mind. Yeah. Also, I've I've only played a, not a lot of it. I played a, only a few hours of it. Oh yeah. It was. I I was I wasn't expecting games this in depth when I played. I was. No, I was not expecting for a game from Sword Bites or because interesting about Vampire was the first Source game to be released. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it came out because Half Life slipped. So it came out before Half Life Two came out. So yeah. it slipped. So it was first. Um, but I'm gonna play and be amazed. Bloody hell, this is quite in depth for a game from you know for a, a source based game. I still find shit about it now. Like I I read forums where people talk about it, and some people go on about there's a there was a theory that was posted up recently about a character that you don't actually end up meeting in a mansion. You you think that he's died there. You think he's been killed by vampire hunters. But then, like, somebody mentioned, like, you find a skeleton, and somebody was like, well, but he's, an, he's an antediluvian, which is like an elder vampire. They don't leave skeletons behind when they die. And then, like, 
other people were saying, oh, there's this, this weird message that you get on your computer throughout the game. Like you've got like a laptop you can get into and you're getting sent messages. Mm. And then now there's this new theory, or it's not new, it's quite a few years old now, that the vampire who was sending you messages was him and like he'd actually escaped and he was a malcab, so he was crazy. And he was obsessed with like games and things. So he's riddling you out and actually helping you to get where you need to be mm-hmm. through riddles and things. I'm like, that's actually really cool. Like, I never had sussed that out when I played it. So I didn't realise that antediluvians didn't leave skeletons behind when they died. So I just assumed it was him. But yeah, yeah it turns out it might not have been him. And then somebody else backed it up with... Um, there's a seer that you can talk to towards the beginning of the game. And one of her little things that she says, if you pay her kind of hints at it as well mm. so, nice the little things that you miss that can yeah. completely change your story yeah like it's, one of, it's, one of, it's one of the things where if you play it through twice you'll, ca- you'll catch up a lot of yeah. things you miss and if, if you yeah. play it because all obviously the different clans are in it different clans react to you differently depending on what your, your vampire style is so mm. if you're like a I know the Toreador are really hated by the Nosferatu so the Nosferatu guy is a little bit harsh with you when you first speak with him if you're a Toreador whereas the Toreador guys quite cool I remember the best one being Beckett who was the, the race that you were playing the Gangrel he's one of them and he can turn into a wolf um, and actually the seer says in one of the conversations that the wolf is one of the only people in the game you can actually 100% trust and if you talk to him when you're a Gangrel he teaches you new things he can give you um, uh, a bonus to your protein I think which is your special Gangrel ability so yeah he'll lap it for free so, so that's pretty damn cool yeah, little things like that, little touches that you get just from playing as the different races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. neat game. Very, very, very cool game. Cool. One of the best PC games ever, in my opinion. That's cool. cool. Right. Verdict. That's a win. It's yeah, a yeah. win. It's, part, it's made by the same guys, from what I understand, as you said, that did Hunter. Troika, yeah. I don't think they made Hunter. But it's, it's part of this it's takes part place of in World the same, of Darkness, yeah. yeah. Um, which is an instant win for me. And the more you start talking about it, I think I've played it. Yeah. I think I have actually played it. I would be surprised if you hadn't, because it, it did become, become quite big, a cult game at some point. So I'm, mm. I'm sure you would have read about it and then sort of wanted to give it a go mm-hmm. at some stage. I mean, I love, like, the, the characters. I mean, there's, there's like, the, the twins that you meet at the beginning. Like, one of them is a, a really kind of sexy, seductress character. And then her, <laughs> her, her sister is a... Uh, um, like a really stern kind of um, smartly dressed woman and spoiler alert if you play through that mission you find out they're the same person she's a Malkavian and she's so insane that she's got a split personality <laughs> and you actually find that they're the two sisters the two halves of the personality are playing you off against one another and if you're really kind of savvy you can talk the two halves of her personality into coexisting because mm. one wants to kill the other one and if you do that then it ends up making her broken. She doesn't end up having a happy ending out of her. But if you get them to work together... Yeah, you'd think that the one dominating personality would then take over, but it can't cope with the loss of the other one. Um, Because she doesn't actually kill her physically. It's kind of like a metaphorical killing of of that half of of the personality. Um, That's enough to cause the break. If you convince her to work together with herself, you get bonuses from it. You'll get advantages from doing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a fucking awesome game. Should we add that to another game that we should probably play through and stream? And also, Smiling Jack is voiced by John DiMaggio, which is um, Bender from Futurama. God. And uh, what's his name from Adventure Time? The dog. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, Jake. 
Jake the dog. Yeah, he does. He does. Smile and Jack. Smile and Jack was brilliant. You'd love Smile and Jack. Go Crazy character. Oh, cool. It must be played through. <laughs> yeah, the ending of that game is really fucking funny because it turns out that Smile and Jack. It's basically they think they're found an antediluvian, like a really old vampire in this uh, casket. But Smiling Jack finds out that it's just a mummy and he fills the thing with TNT and basically sends you on a quest to get it. And like somebody says, Yeah, that's what the seer says, you don't open the box. When you get to the, and you're like, what box? And when you get to the game, so end of the game, you're like, fuck, don't open the end of the <laughs> sarcophagus. And he's just sitting on a hill when the building blows up with the fucking mummy and he's put sunglasses on it and a hat and he's put a beer in a hand. It's fucking brilliant. Like Love it. Yeah. Oh, Excellent. Right, on to my last game. Ah. Now, I won't go into Super Depth because it's a game that I... You have spoken about a fair bit. I've spoken about a fair bit, but I could not put it in there because it is the first game. And funnily enough, it ties in a little bit with Bloodlines because it kind of is a similar sort of game. Yeah. Released 2000. Mm. Uh, my final game of, two th- of the 2000s is Deus Ex. The original Deus, Deus Ex. Um... So I won't go into super depth about it. There's something we'll call yeah. it. Yes, I've heard, I'm not sorry, because this is quite do sex. Yeah. I said to say, yeah, well I, I think he thought it was a French name. It's like no, it's Latin. Yeah. It means God without. It means God out of the machine. That's Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Deus Ex just means God without. Ah. X means Because yeah. I thought the Deus Ex Machina part tied in with the end of the game. No, it's just well that's Well, 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 well he, Got out of the machine. That's what he yeah. does, isn't it? Essentially. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of philosophy in the, the game, isn't it? Um, awesome game. You play as a nano-enhanced agent. Your JC. JC. Your brother is already remember this. We don't need to know what JC secretly stands for. Yeah. Your brother is or it's all it's all tones like that. Your brother is a agent for Unatco. He's also a renowned pacifist, isn't he? Yeah. Um, like yeah, even though you're working with a company that is. You're basically the ultimate anti-terrorist organisation. It's not anti-terrorist organisations, I'm like, as I realise. Um, but basically, you have worldwide. Con- I mean, you meet where, where's most of anti-terrorism groups are one country. Basically, Nick's list is games that Jerry Adams would not play. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're like the second agent to come online now in Hearts, and you're basically there to. Um, you basically are there to almost replace Paul. It's in the in the background. They want you to replace Paul. So you know, they think Paul's a failure and basically are planning to kill him off. Yeah. And you're there to play that. And that's what the background of it is. There's this world, the world is basically shit. The world's gone to shit. There's a plague going around. Um, you later find out the plague is caused by... Because basically it's only, you're the only two people in the world that can handle nano-augmentation. No one else can, apart from people who have been genetically altered. Some of the, some of the bad guys get jailed so they can handle it. But the Grey Death... It's yeah, because you're the higher tier level, aren't you? Cause the other two agents that are with you aren't as good, are they? They're mechanics. What, what's, they're the, what's the big dude's name? Gunter Herman, do you mean? Gunter Herman, Mer- yeah. I just Mer- always loved them when you hack it into his computer and you find the files about the head-mounted machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. Head can his head gun. He actually get he actually gets it, that actually does get requested, but unfortunately gets cancelled, obviously, because he dies. Yeah. You kill him off. Um, I'll never forgive that game for that. <laughs> because Gunter Herman was like one of the only characters that I really liked. I thought he's brilliant. I like yeah. him. I wanted him. I wanted the game to allow me to talk him into joining me, but it didn't, I don't think it happen. ever happened. Um, so it's about a whole long conspiracy. Conspiracy is basically to sort of control the world. 
Um, it's such a long, in-depth storyline, I can't really go into in-depth because I'd be here all the evening, yeah. and I don't really want to tie up with a game like this. All I'm going to say, it's an awesome game. It's an RPG about levels. You simply have skills, which you can grade instead. So, you know, you, and the skills are quite... There's only four levels to each skill. So it's not... You have no character, but your skills have levels. And it's um, untrained, trained, um, skilled, and master. So an untrained sniper, he's, your scope's all over the place. You can barely keep it still. But a, ma and a master is steady as a rock. Even if she's only steady as a rock. Um... You can upgrade your weapons ridiculously. It's only base types of weapons, but you can upgrade them like several times. You can get like a, you can make ten assault rifle really deadly accurate. Obviously, you can't like upgrade it multiple times with a scope. That would already work. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't stack <laughs> the scopes together. Um, the whole it, it and I just, it's just such an awesome. I, I played the first time I played the first time I played actually. Talk about PCs and having problems. Mm. My sound card had an issue where the sound would initially start very crackly, and then it would eventually load over the course of two minutes. So what I have to do is each level time a level loads, I have to wait for the sound to sort of come into full existence, then quit and reload the level again properly. Because <laughs> sometimes the level would start off someone come and talk to you, so I had to wait and reload the level again because then the sound would work yeah. fine straight away the same time I loaded it. Um, the little things you do to make be able to play a game, but. It's, it's one of, I've literally spent an entire summer playing this game. Every hour of every day, every morning, I'd get up and play it, start this game out and play it. And I I want to absorb everything. It took me about four weeks, and I've played it for most of the day. The game isn't actually that long. It's I want to absorb everything about the world, so I spend every this, single Again, like bits, there's quite a few bits and pieces you can do differently, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, you've got... I mean, it's not quite as open as they made out. It's not quite so... Yeah. There's, but nothing ever was. Like no, no. There is no. There's only so many ways you can sort of move through the sort of options in the game. Um, so it's not. It's not. So once you play it, you actually you can see where everything goes in it, and there's only so many ways you can do things. And the the story, main story itself, is very fixed. But as you globe trust me, you'll be start. You'll start off in sort of New York, and then you'll be in Hong Kong, tell voice acting. Something that the, the sequels very kindly carried over. Mm -hmm. um, you'll be you'll go fly off to Area Fifty One. You'll be rescuing, um, host, you'll be rescuing hostages. You'll be sort of taking on the Men in Black. You'll be investigating transgenics. You'll be. It's awesome game. And, and there's that interesting point that halfway, it's not halfway point. It's quite early on, isn't it? You can save Paul. Yes, there's actually out of that. There's three ways that they can go. So basically, you're. At some point, you're, whereas the older Mechogs are, have got explosives built into them, so basically they can just detonate them. You don't, you're, because you're nanobots, so what they do is they basically turn your nanobots against you, they start destroying, showing down your organs, which is actually what the Grey Death is. Grey Death is nanobots. Yeah. It's now which you've got, but no one else can handle. So what they it's other people, basically, nanobots try and integrate and can't effectively start killing people off by accident, not yeah. deliberately, they're just the way they're programmed. Um, and... But you guys now have this thing called a kill switch, and they, the bad guys, the MJ12, activate your brother's kill switch and your kill switch, and they activate yours slightly later than his, because your treachery doesn't come to light so soon. So, you find Paul, and there's two ways to do it. Paul basically will beg you to leave and go up onto the roof and escape to go to your next location. If you do that, you fly off to Hong Kong, and that's it, Paul's dead. Up game. If you stay and defend him, Eventually, what will probably happen is you'll get shot and kill, killed in the game. But after that, you'll get captured and you'll be took to a secret underground base and you have to break out. 
But in actual fact, there's a third way to complete that mission. It's possible to win that battle. It's possible not only to win that battle, it's impossible for you to make your way through through a horde of troops. Eventually, you get yourself to the like Battery Green where the source subway station is, where you'll meet Gunter Herman, and he'll be there with about five military bots, loads of troops, and there's no and basically the game you can't win that point, and then you get captured and you get knocked down and captured. So they even thought of the situation where you might win. That's the thing I like about it, is that they thought about all the possible ways that you could screw the game over. Yeah. And they put encounters to affect And they them. stitch you up anyway. Yeah. Rather than like having a game where you might win and if you win the game breaks. Yes. The game at that point, realistically, you either have to go to the prison cell, you have to go to Hong Kong. Mm. And they couldn't otherwise they'd have made a whole new game where you avoid this and you go off somewhere else and it gets colonized. So you basically had to put a decision where it was unwinnable. But the fact is they allowed you to get past that bit. Mm. And they thought about what do we do to the player if he gets past this bit? We let's allow him to do it. And that's why I love it. They, they, they thought about it. And every individual part of the game is crap. The little individual bits, when you look at them are crap, but some of them together, they've made this fantastic experience. It's mm. like a cake. You know, individual creators of cake are pretty shit to taste, but together they make something beautiful. Mm -hmm. I hate cake. (laughs) (laughs) But I won't go on anymore because I've been on... If you've listened to our podcast enough, you know how much I love this game. You know how much I've ravaged on about it, so I'm not going to go on anymore about it. But it's probably one of my... It's it's one of my most favourite games of all time. Fair, Fair news, yeah. Again, it's one of them games that I never got into, yeah. which is which really, really weirded me out. Because loads of people recommended it to me. Like, oh, you got yeah. this game, well, you I recommended that game. It to you, didn't I? But, um, well, you recommended me to replay it, because my friend Jay recommended it to me years ago, and I played it, and I was just like... That's when I first met you, though, I didn't know. Yeah, and I was like, ah, I, I, all right, I'll give it a go. And I tried it, and I really didn't like it, and he couldn't understand why. And I said, well, it's not a bad game, I just... It's not my kind of game, you know. I just yeah. can't gel Something with it. about it just didn't quite track. No. Yeah. So we know what we're waiting for. I'm probably going to dump on it, but for the same thing that Bard's saying it's middle of the road for. Now, uh, Deus Ex has always been a game that I've wanted to go in and see. Maybe as I've gotten older. Is that thing that didn't click the first time going to click? Because I've I've had several series. Uh, in my life where I've played them initially, I'm like, fuck, this is crap, I ain't playing this. And then, I don't know, six months, a year later, something happens, and I actually sit down, I'm like, actually, hang on a minute, yeah, the, the, I missed something, that's actually fucking really cool. Um, one of my favourite games on the GameCube, Tales of Symphonia, mm. was just that. I first played it, I was like, now we're available on Steam. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the PS3 version, is isn't it? it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. All right. But, um... I played that game and I fucking hated it. I was like, man, this is fucking dumb. And then I think like four or five months later, something happened and I, there was nothing else I could do. So I basically sat down and played video games before, fuck it, put that in. And it was fucking brilliant. I think Deus Ex might be, maybe, possibly, something like that. Because I remember playing it and just being like, fucking I hell, think another thing with Deus Ex, though, is it hasn't aged particularly well. So if you no. play it now... Which again, I played it later than when it first came out. Yeah. I don't think you can get the same experience out of it as somebody who played it back then. Yeah. Because it did a lot of stuff first, like it did a lot of but things. But now you probably played done. something else that's diluted it's, the experience. See, and Vampire sums it up very nicely because Vampire does a lot of things Deus Ex did better because it came out later, like, mm, and it yeah. had the benefit of of sort of being well, there later. Well, I know. So early on in the game, it's it very heavily forces you. You have to play you. 
the whole point of the game was that you could go run and gun, you could go stealthy. The first level is not a good first level, is it? It's very um, alienating, isn't it, that first level? You have to play it stealthy. You can't go run and gun because you won't live. You won't survive because you're so weak. You're so low accuracy. You have to be stealthy. If you're not stealthy, you won't survive. Look, in that easily. sense, I kind of admire it because it doesn't hold your hand. And I like games that don't yeah. hold your hand. And actually, I would say that first of all, is if, if from that point of view, it's an amazing first level. Mm. From that point of view, but it's not a great first level if you want to try and just be as a shooter. As you get better in it, you can. It's a game that definitely you throws you into the deep ends, doesn't it? Yeah. it doesn't... Because he gives you yeah. free weapons, doesn't he? Because you can have a, a crossbow, a uh, crossbow. Uh, get gun, or a sniper rifle. Yes. 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 Yeah, sniper rifle. Yeah. Um, I always, I always pick the quite trunk crossbow. Yeah, me too. Because obviously, like, I did a passive play yeah. for as far as I got. It's game. funny when you shoot the guys because they saw you hit them and they go. Ooh, ooh. And they run around for about a minute and then they finally collapse. Yeah. Well, actually, quite it realistic. Ran on a similar engine to Thief, didn't it? I think it was. Oh, it was, a, it was the Unreal engine. engine. Yeah, yeah you could pick, Thief was Unreal engine. Pick guys up, couldn't you? Like you couldn't see and hide the bodies and shit. It's like most yeah. Unreal engines. They look very similar. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Right, so it's probably gonna, I'd have to say it's probably going to be one of them games that we'd have to play through again. So like you'd have to sit there, you could set it up on on a machine. I mean, I think I've I've still got it. So you know, we'll set I it think up. also like Cyberpunk could be hit or miss with me. I love I love the Japanese take yeah. on Cyberpunk. I don't like the Western take on Cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, other than like say Blade Runner, like but then Day Six didn't feel like Blade Runner to me. It felt more. Akin to, uh, I always thought it always made me think the Matrix Blade Runner, well, Blade Runner, um, their sets. Yeah, yeah. See, not mainly like, from the cover I'm, art. I'm, I'm <laughs> not into the Matrix at all. No, Never got into no, the Matrix. No. Whereas, yeah, yeah, I prefer my Cyberpunk to be more. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a certain. There's two types of style of Cyberpunk. It has to flick that kind of groove. It has to. The Japanese know the kind of cyberpunk I like very well, you know. It's like the ah, <laughs> oh, we know what Bard likes. Yeah, <laughs> so, Cyber City of Edo, that kind of shit, you know. Like, uh, yeah, they 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 kind of on the ball. Even Blade Runner had that subtle Oriental influence, didn't it? it had that sort of, sort of Japanese Chinese both of the influences in there in like the the structure of yeah. how the the culture of the film works. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for watching. Um, no weirdness as well because we'll be probably too much of its life up anyway. Yeah, we've had You're never going to get this so, time back. <laughs> final thoughts, everybody. I think this has been a fantastic. I've really enjoyed. I've the really enjoyed it. It's allowed yeah, me to sure. reminisce about things that I liked about that era. Um, it's also allowed me to realise that like that there are games that I, I know that my album, my third game is missing. I don't know what it is. I'll have to find out. It's definitely isn't <laughs> that'll be a flashback because I do like Diablo, but it, Diablo doesn't stand out as much as certain other games. What really? were you guys? It kind of fucking annoys me though, because it's making me think like, I've played that game, or have I played that game? Yeah. Or is it a game that I've played like that game? So many different games have just kind of popped into my head, but trying to place the times in which I may or may not have been playing them, because I guess of the differences in my computer specs at the time. Um, yeah. One day we're going to set you a challenge, we'll have to have another special, we're going to have to give you a challenge like, I don't know, like five console games that you find. <laughs> hey, I'll, do, I'll do that one I too. Do, I, yeah, you can um, do that one as well. Admittedly though, yes. I think I might struggle, because the the amount of games I actually play these days, even if I were to go back and play some of my classics, I don't know if I can do them anymore. No. It's, it's weird. Um, but sometimes there are some games up there which you can't play now, but you have fond memories. Oh, we should totally do that next week, man. Let's try to remember uh, what the fuck they are, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Next podcast. Yeah. Do you up for it? 
I'm up for that. Sure, why not? Yeah. If I can rock and roll for any. <laughs> I find console ones easier than we'll old PC We'll have to ones. pick a theme. I'll think, we'll think of a theme, what theme like. Well, maybe do, so do, do three from each era. So three from the, the, the SNES Mega Drive era, three from the PlayStation 64 era. Three from the. You're trying to make this podcast even longer by having nine <laughs> games each. Or maybe just do three from those two eras. Yeah. We'll think or about a, it. Or a game from each console era. Yeah. We'll think about it and we'll get back to you. Yeah. So, Ivan the Suffer Ram. I'm Bud. Scazius. Thank you much for watching. Um, we'll see you on the next podcast. Just means we've got a ton of games to stream now. We yeah. have got tons of games to stream. Well, That's I what I enjoy about this. We've actually come up with a ton of shit that we've But we'll think about streaming it never will. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Look Ooh. forward to it. Where can you find us? I forgot oh, about this bit. Oh, fuck! Quick! <laughs> Randnerds.com uh, Twitter at Randnerds Sheds currently. <laughs> <laughs> Garage. YouTube.com slash Randnerds Plus.google.com slash Randnerds Facebook.com slash Randnerds <laughs> Uh, we've got Steam Community Randnerds, and you can email us comments at Randnerds. So Rand nerds thank you very much slash. for watching. Um, I hope you enjoyed as so much as we have. Um, I'm going to go to bed now, because <laughs> I'm knackered. I'm going to go home and play video games for until ridiculous clock in the morning. Yeah, I've got work today, so. So <laughs> thank you very much for watching. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Yep. Bye. Right, what's the first choice for 2000 then? Uh, we've got to do our little brief flashback. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, right, so you've ruined it. <laughs> flashback. <laughs> so we interrupt this gaming retrospective to talk about flashback, and it's a very brief flashback. Um, Bard, you mentioned Glorious Leader. I you did. What happened to it? Glorious Leader, the game was shelved after developers got hacked. Poor we bastards. We know if it's by North Korea or somebody else. And as they had, they apparently were getting a lot of flack about how offensive the game was. Oh, are they? So, apparently so. I was like, well, Glorious is probably the least offensive games out there because it's just because just about a, a dictator's face. Everything's offensive nowadays, Nick. You can't make a game about it being deemed offensive by some fucking special yeah. snowflake. So, <laughs> shame, it really is a shame. So, but Glorious Leader is no more. Moments of silence? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, what a great segment! <laughs> I thought you liked that segment. <laughs>